Hello there. Welcome to A Certain Point of View. If you're new to the podcast, please be sure to go subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever podcast platform you use. It would really help us out. Also, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at certain underscore POV pod, on Instagram at certain point of view pod, and join our Facebook group and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. The links to those are in the description below. And with all that out of the way, let's talk some Star Wars. So what I told you was true from a certain point of view. Hello there. Welcome to A Certain Point of View. I'm your host, Michael Hoover, and this is a Star Wars podcast. Tonight, we have a fun episode for you guys, and I couldn't think of anyone better to join us for this episode than my co-host, Curry Morris. What's up, dude? Can you not hear me anymore? Oh, man. All right. Well, hey, while Curry's getting that fixed, we do have a special guest tonight, and his name is Drew Tavares, coming from avatar land right here what's up dude nothing much (laughs) well awesome good to have you back drew has been on a couple of times uh if you guys want to go check them out uh if you haven't listened to them we talked about star wars visions and we did a big episode where we talked about every single episode of that um and we also did an episode where drew what was the other one i'm blanking what we did another one uh it was the book of boba fett finale i think Uh, that's right yeah you joined us for that one that's right um, yeah, so Drew joined us for the Book of Boba Fett finale review, which was really fun as well. So uh, Drew ha- is becoming a tenured me- uh, member of the of the <laughs> the cycle of guests here on a certain point of view. So Drew, welcome back, man. How, how's it been going? How's it been going in in life lately for you? Uh, pretty good for the most part. Um, I just recently published my uh, first written review of a film. Oh. That was for everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh man, so what a I, movie! Oh yeah, so good. Oh man, the best yeah. multiverse movie of the year so far, I might add. Uh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> a great prequel to uh, Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I started writing for Viral Hair. Um, okay. Which Curry has actually written a review for before. Yeah, that's actually right. a few, I think. Um, and yeah, I'm in the process of writing a review of season one for the Halo show. And then next week, I'm going to revite, write a review for the first two episodes of Boba, or not Boba Fett, Obi-Wan. Awesome. Dude, that's so cool. Curry, can you hear? Yes, I can hear. All right. I don't know what happened, but I'm glad you're back. StreamYard <laughs> froze, Google Groom crashed, and I it was weird. Never happened before. <laughs> yeah. Dude, crazy. I'm going to actually turn this on. This is just the most, this is the smoothest podcast we've ever had by far. <laughs> absolutely curry how's it going dude it's going great man it's been a little bit of a scrambled day scrambled week but it's been a good week we've gotten some good news in our family and Mm. i've been looking forward to talking about this all week too so i have eagerly awaited the day that we get to talk about revenge of the sith together because i know it's your favorite and i honestly might just sit back and and relax and let you take it for a while tonight i got my notes ready I know, I know you do. You've got most of your notes up here, though. Guys, if you're joining us in the chat, thank you so much. We are glad you're here. 
feel free to share it wherever you would like so more people come and join. We want to have as many people discussing this awesome movie as we can tonight. So, um, and if you are listening back to the audio recording, thank you so much. I would like to ask you to leave a rating and a review and make sure you subscribe. All of those things really help us out a lot. And um, I'm actually going to double beg you leave a review that'd be amazing thank you so much um and then also make sure you go follow us on all of our social networks those are down in the description below in the podcast feed later and uh yeah guys before we get into the before we get into like really the nitty-gritty of this movie um i would really like to just kind of talk very broadly what is what are y'all's thoughts on this movie drew let's start with you when you think of revenge of the sith what comes to mind how do you feel about it the high ground oh yes this movie <laughs> it is, is the, the high ground, ground. <laughs> it is the high ground of the prequels and that <laughs> it's the best of the prequels <laughs> oh yes no question um, <laughs> but yeah i i love revenge of the sith I always have like um I, I still vividly remember seeing it in the theaters actually when i was a wee lad um it was just such an awesome experience because i got to see it like the first day it came out um so it's just like i have a lot of good memories with it i've seen it probably a hundred times um although i hadn't watched it in a few years and so today i rewatched it uh in preparation for the podcast um and it was like really refreshing to watch it again it was really refreshing it's been the same for me dude i haven't watched it in it's probably been two years since i've watched it really um yeah, yeah. yeah curry <laughs> I think anyone who listens knows how you feel about this movie, but general general thoughts on this movie, what what are they? Yeah, so one day in 2005, <laughs> Harry Morris, his life was changed by one movie, one desire to save Padme. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. It just kind of comes to me. Because it's, it's um, awesome. <laughs> so... You know, it's funny. I, I was watching it today for homework as well. And um, one of the things I was experiencing while watching it, have you ever like, and Michael, you're going to laugh because I'm indirectly talking about like our group chat, but have you ever <laughs> okay. like watched a movie that you absolutely love? You know, it's one of your favorites, five stars, whatever, but you hear people scrutinize it. And so you're trying to like argue with yourself while rewatching. You're like, oh, that's not true. Oh, wait. I see where they're coming from. (laughs) Oh no. Like, Oh gosh, is this movie not as great as I thought it was? And like, you go through all these emotions and then you realize you're just trying to defend something you love. So yeah, I kind of experienced that today. I didn't get to finish it, but I got into like the last 30 minutes. We were joking right beforehand that everybody knows last 30 minutes. So it's mostly okay. But Mm -hmm. when this came out, I was the perfect age for it. I was in fifth grade. So I would have been, like, yeah, I was, I was like 11 and a half when it came out. Perfect. And it really stuck with me because of how dark it is mm. and being a not, a not happy ending with a hint of hope. Um, and my family, they're big fans of the original trilogy and they didn't, they don't care for super dark content. It's just not their thing. And so like, I was one of the only ones in my family who really loved it at first. Um, my younger brother has come to love it a lot. And my older brother liked it too, but yeah. it took time. And over the years, 
I don't know if I realized how much of an influence this had on me. Star Wars has had a crazy influence on me. All the short films I made in high school and then on, uh, even today, we always have a lightsaber, some kind of reference. We always try to mimic prequel fights and uh, things like that. Um, but when I think about Star Wars and like the crux of the storytelling that really just like blew my mind, Revenge of the Sith has a lot of those moments, not all of them. Um, and over the years, my love for it just kind of grew and grew. And in film school, <laughs> when you're the only guy in the room defending <laughs> the prequels with a bunch of snobby film students obsessed with uh, the mise-en-scene of French cinema, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it, 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 can be, it can be hard. And, you know, so I think I went through a phase of like, oh, may, maybe they're right. I'll, it's, it's not as good as the original trilogy. And then after coming on the podcast and meeting you guys and really thinking about my taste and how I view the best versus favorite debate, I really settled on the fact that Revenge of the, Revenge of the Sith is my favorite. Um, and I have a lot of reasons for that. I think I don't think there's a true best Star Wars movie because I've heard so many cases for all of the films, surprisingly. Well, you're there wrong. Is, there is, though. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Michael, yeah, you don't absolutely. even know. Absolutely. You don't even know. <laughs> Actually, Drew, I think Drew, sure. Drew will agree with me. Yes, absolutely. There, there is a best Star Wars movie. <laughs> that is subjective, and this is going to come up a lot tonight. I can already tell. But, anyways, long story short, I love this movie. Um, it just gets better over time for me, and I think it has the strongest story of any Star Wars film. Hey guys, editing Michael here. So our co-host Drew Miller was not able to make it to the recording of this episode, so he sent in his thoughts on Revenge of the Sith. But we got so into the discussion so quickly that it just completely slipped our minds and we completely forgot and we didn't realize it till after the show was over. So this is me putting Drew's clip in so to make sure everybody knows how Drew feels about Revenge of the Sith. And Drew, we love you, man. Hey, everybody. It's Drew again, long lost and reporting from the outer rim of Arkansas. Uh, I'm just coming in to say how much I really love Revenge of the Sith. It is commonly on rankings my number three Star Wars movie. One of my favorite movie theater experiences of all time, a good buddy of mine, uh, his dad checked us out of school, let us play hooky that day, and we went and watched it on opening, and uh, it was a, uh, it was incredible. We went and had lunch, and you know we were ninth graders, and you know traumatized by the movie, of course, but my gosh, what an incredible Star Wars movie! I think one of the movies that fully encompasses George Lucas's vision from 1977 to present, the best as far as the story being told, the mythology and the the tragedy yet beauty of it all i believe revenge of the sith shows us the best of star wars in one movie uh just you know from a serious standpoint at least um visually it's striking holds up well to this day it's a fun movie but it's also very deep it's sad i think the dialogue in this one is the best among the prequels incredible soundtrack some of the most legendary battles with you know lightsabers and moments as well as meme moments come from this movie gosh i love it i really want to watch it but uh, my wife and i are currently watching through the clone wars and i was hoping to watch it after we had finished the clone wars because i know episode three hits a lot differently after you watch the clone wars for the first time and i want her to be able to experience that well anyways uh love all of you and uh hope to be back in person on the podcast soon execute order 66 i love that man like i love 
this is one of the great things about Star Wars, and we, we always talk with Star Wars about entry points, right? So mm-hmm. the people who grew up on the original trilogy, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of people who grew up on the original trilogy are are really great fans and really inclusive fans and all of that. But some people who grew up on the original trilogy are really big jerks about some whether it's the prequels or the sequels. It just depends on the person, right? But a lot of that has to do with well, you know, when I was a kid, this was this was what Star Wars was. And and like anything Star Wars absolutely evolves and so does technology and but but anyway, you came into it so far after so long after the original trilogy came out and you developed a love for star Wars so deep that it inspired you to make movies and to write reviews on movies and all of this stuff. And and so I think that's just a beautiful thing. And I think the sequel trilogy, this is just a little tangent. I think the sequel trilogy is going to be that for at least a good, a good chunk of people one day that, that grew up as when they were 11 they met Ray for the first time. They met Finn for the first time. They met mm-hmm. Ben Solo for the first time and saw his redemption, and it moved them just like Anakin's redemption moved us. And it's it's just one of those – that is one of the things that makes Star Wars so beautiful, and unfortunately it's the root of so much toxicity too. Um, and so I just wanted to say that. I love your story with this movie. Uh, for me, I remember watching it in theater. It did not um, – I remember liking it a lot. I, I don't remember – like my emotions when I was in the theater. <laughs> I've told this story before. The only thing I remember about this experience in the theater is that my dad fell asleep. <laughs> my dad took us to this movie. He does not care about Lord of the Rings. He doesn't care about Star Wars, Harry Potter. He doesn't care about any of this stuff. But being the wonderful father he is, he took us to the movie with our friends and we were like all excited and we look over and dad's asleep (laughs) so um i think that's especially traumatizing for ben he's brought that up so many times on the podcast it's just so funny but uh that's my big takeaway from the actual experience of the movie i don't remember i would i would have been um about 14 i guess at that point and so or actually 15 probably so at that point, I was just reaching the age where I was still, I really still liked the prequels, but I was coming into my teenage years and early 20s where I did not like the prequels eventually, right? So um, this movie actually had to really grow on me a lot over the years as uh, as I have gotten older and grown more uh, in more of an appreciation for all of the prequels, really. But out of all of the prequels, as much as The Phantom Menace is by far the one I've watched the most, I can quote that probably from beginning to end, um, it's this movie that has just, I mean, this is a top five Star Wars movie for me. This one is, it's a, it's beautiful, it's, it's, it's tragic. John Williams, I will talk about him all night this for this one because out of all, this might be a hot take. Out of all of the Star Wars scores, I genuinely believe this was his best one. He, I agree. He, at certain points in this movie, I literally thought to myself, okay, John, you're just showing off at this point. Like, is there anything that you can't do? And there are just moments, like just right now, I have chills thinking about like Anakin's betrayal, the music that was happening during that point. And oh, so it's, good. It's, that, is, that is one of my favorite Star Wars tracks is Anakin's betrayal. And it's one that not enough people talk about and I'm always trying mm-hmm. to talk about it more. And um, oh, yeah. good Lord, it's so good. 
that was how we first bonded over this movie, Michael. Was when is it I really? Out. Yeah, we were talking about music, and I was like, "Have you know Anakin's betrayal?" And you were like, "Oh, I think is that the one?" I was like, "Yeah, go listen to it." And you were like, "Dude, yes, that track." And we just like bonded over that. Yeah, Probably and the first then later, time we ever agreed. <laughs> the first time, and not one, the first a few, very few times. I'm just kidding. We actually agree on a lot, but when we disagree, yeah. it's really bad. Um, yeah. But. Ben and I did a uh, long uh, a while back. Ben and I did a an episode on just the music of John Williams through the Skywalker saga, and it was a three hour episode. It's probably the episode. It's one of the episodes that I'm the most proud of. It's very heavily edited. I took forever on it. Um, we talked forever on it. We gave musical examples, all of this stuff. It was it was really a fun episode, and I had never really just listened to the prequel score very much ever before just without stopping without the context of the film and i was listening to it and i was just like just track after track i was just like what in the why do more people not talk about this as potentially his best score out of all of them like this is he really goes to another level in this one and i would say for the prequels in general he does but this one in particular with the choir and <laughs> it's just, it's bonkers. And so John Williams is going to come up several times tonight. Apologies in advance, but not really. Um, but I, I love this movie. Every time I watch it, I think I love it more. And again, I brought this up last week with Jessica. I really think my love for the show, The Clone Wars, has absolutely helped me in loving and appreciating these movies and um and then just ge in general i have just grown to a place where i can watch these movies and of course yes i notice the bad dialogue at times and by the way this one doesn't have nearly as much there is some part there are some some spots but a lot of it is mostly i mean coming off of attack of the clones which is definitely the low point in star wars dialogue for me personally uh coming off of that one this one is a huge step up in that department uh, and then there are just, you know, a few things here and there. I have so many things in my notes that I like, like so many likes about this movie. And then there's just a few things that I have that I'll, that I'll talk about that didn't work for me, but we'll just go into those as we go. But seriously, this movie is amazing. It's a top five Star Wars movie and I love it. Drew, when, when you think of this movie, what are the things about it that you appreciate the most? What are, what are a few things that you just, uh, when you think about it, you just appreciate the most? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm going to kind of steal one of Curry's points from earlier, but I loved how dark Revenge of the Sith was, especially because, like, going from The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, like, it's, like, such a striking contrast in mm. tones. Um, yep. And, like, yeah, I just... I don't know. The tone of Revenge of the Sith is just perfect for me because like you were saying earlier, even though like it's very dark and depressing, uh, there's a glimmer of hope like underneath all of that, which is very similar to Empire Strikes Back, mm. um, which is another one of the best Star Wars films, top five. <laughs> um, Maybe a top one. <laughs> may... I mean, for some people, but not for me. <laughs> oh, Drew, we don't agree. I thought we did. Oh, yeah, I know. What, there's a, a new Star hope. A new hope. I knew what you. Uh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Hey, yeah. listen. That's a cop out. I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> it was first, so it's the best. I'm just kidding. Honestly, honestly, God, man, A New Hope is a perfect adventure. Oh. It's a perfect adventure movie. Also, super hot take, The Force Awakens might be my favorite, too, which I know is super similar to A New Hope in some ways, but I don't care. I love it. I love it. Dude, I have honestly, more empathy for you than Curry does. No, no, no. I, honestly, I actually like totally get it. Like, it's, that's completely okay. I disagree, but that's the beauty of the subject. Yeah. There is no best Star Wars film. Except for Empire Strikes Back. You just gave me two, so that just proves... <laughs> what i'm saying and you picked a remake of another one so i'm just kidding (laughs) michael i I don't want to i don't want to forget this two things one small uh correction from your uh beautiful eulogy about me earlier eulogy that was the wrong word (laughs) you're dead (laughs) this movie's so good it killed me <laughs> it broke my heart like Padme, along with Brisco's young, with many younglings, <laughs> and Padme, <laughs> R.I.P. Um, so I did. What's what's kind of unique about me is like my two through four on my ranking are the original trilogy. Hmm. Um, now they flip flop sometimes, but my number one is Revenge of the Sith. So I grew up on the original trilogy first. Like I was like I had probably right, seen yeah. them a hundred times before the prequel trilogy came out. So I have a unique perspective when people are like, well, nothing can compare to the originals. And I'm like, that, I feel like sometimes I get where people are coming from when they say that, but I also feel like that's not engaging with the content on, a, on an appropriate level. It can be very surface level on how they mean it, right? Because when you look at the original trilogy, they have their issues too. They're protected by even more nostalgia than... Oh, um, yeah. Wait, now. wait. Wait. They're all five-star movies. How dare you criticize the all-perfect Star Wars original trilogy? How di- I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> like, honestly, it's not, with, it's not with the exception of Empire, it's per- that one's perfect. <laughs> to be honest with you, A New Hope really it struggles with some dialogue issues too. It does. Oh yeah. Um, Absolutely. That, I mean, George, the one George Lucas directed. Let's be honest, the dialogue can 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 kind of be back and forth. Yeah. He's so he's so great at storytelling though. I don't care, and it works for me because he's got a very like naturalistic soap opera approach to dialogue, where it's just very heavy-handed. And I'm kind of the same way when I write dialogue, so I have a soft spot for it. <laughs> Second thing, Michael, when long ago, I think it was not. It may have been not long after we met. You told me you either told me about the music episode you and Ben did, or we were mm-hmm. talking about it, and that's when Anakin's betrayal came up. It was, it was around that time. And I always mentioned a track to you that I could never remember the name of from Revenge of the Sith. And you convinced me for a long time it was Anakin's Dark Deeds, which is a great track. But that's not it. This is the most, I'm not saying it's the best, but it is one of the most unique tracks in all Star Wars, and that is Padme's Ruminations. Oh, it's so good. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't even, I, don't, I want to be careful how I say this, it doesn't even sound like classical Star Wars, like, music like if you heard it like just by itself and had no knowledge i don't think anybody would be like oh that's from star wars it enhances that scene where anakin is just fighting with himself uh, on like weather turn and him and uh, padme are looking like across the city oh, at each dude, other it's so good. which is like a it's a play on i think it's a play on rosemary's baby i read like george lucas was like emulating that but anyway um, interesting i may have read i may be missing mixing up the movies i'll have to double check that I got dad brain tonight, but that track, Anakin's betrayal is the best, but Padme's ruminations are like, mm-hmm. it's so good. It's just so good. 
when the the amount of story and the amount of emotion and the amount of just feelings in that scene without any without a single word being spoken it's just acting and good acting by the way and it is also just music and it is mm-hmm. just really good music um yeah i i absolutely love i will just gush and gush and gush about uh, in fact, I need to get the track list pulled up so I can remember some of these titles. But I will gush and gush about this music. Uh, Drew, I, I don't remember. Did you were were there more things that you wanted to say about what your your favorite things of the movie were? Yeah, yeah. Oh, <clears throat> oh, you're good, man. Good thought. <laughs> Except that apparently my beautiful little speech was completely useless. It was not not completely. Only like, <laughs> not only completely. Like, <laughs> only like fifteen percent useless. <laughs> Go ahead, Drew. So something I like really noticed while rewatching that I never really thought of much about before, which I don't know why I haven't, but I was surprised how much new stuff they introduced with the world building mm-hmm. in the movie. Like even right off the bat, like you're getting like brand new ships, like a bunch of brand new types of ships, um, both cruisers and the starfighters that they're flying um the uh buzzsaw droids all the different like uh droid starfighters um the way the clone troopers look like you're just hit with like all these new things that like you've never seen before in star wars um and like just the amount of like new technology that they have for the clones and the the droids and everything like that like i I don't know i was just like wow they, they kind of like George Lucas introduced a lot of new stuff in this film Mm. because like Attack of the Clones was pretty basic when it came to all of the clones and the droids. They're all like fairly similar, but it just opens up with so much new stuff. And it's like that throughout the entire film, Um, which I don't know. It was just like something that I noticed that I hadn't noticed before that I really appreciated within the like also like thinking about it within the context of clone wars it's just like kind of cool to see all of that tied together but like before the clone wars i mean like if if i was older than i was when i first saw revenge of the sith i would have like really noticed that and been like wow this is crazy all this like new stuff getting introduced to us mm-hmm. i don't know i just thought it was like really neat uh for the world building perspective um something to really appreciate I think I may I may be wrong, but I think like after rewatching it today, Revenge of the Sith might have my favorite opening sequence out of the entire franchise. It's so good. It is a Clone Wars episode. It, it I, really yes. is. Yes, like, I, like, I don't I, admit it. It is. You yes. can you can hear the narrator like just I, I can imagine <laughs> I the narrator like talking at the at the opening sequence. Oh, it's so good. Oh man, yes. I I'm so glad you said that, and that was literally the next thing I was gonna bring up. So it's like the Mutation. perfect transition. Perfect. Um, it really is, Curry. You nailed it. It's a Clone Wars episode, and it is a great Clone Wars episode. Yeah. And um, the first of its kind. <laughs> George Lucas is showing off. Uh, for like the first two minutes where no, you don't see anybody. You just, we're just following Obi-Wan and Anakin's ships through this battle. And it's just like, you see it's over Coruscant and it's just, it's literally following these two ships through this battle of digital ships. And, and it is, 
it's breathtaking actually it looks it absolutely yeah. incredible to this the cgi day. still still like really holds up which i was surprised and i mean sure there's moments in the film where like you can tell sure it's dated but like everything's super consistent which mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of modern yeah. films the cgi can be super inconsistent at times yes yeah and Preach. and i'd rather have that consistency than like top tier cgi in like five scenes and then the rest of the scenes are just like really shoddy so yeah i was surprised by that not only is it consistent but it's also a, a big step up from attack of the clones because oh yeah attack of the clones i mentioned this um i think in my little recorded thing last week but attack of the clones was the first major hollywood blockbuster that was shot completely digitally so mm -hmm. there was a lot of learning going on with that and a lot of the things that they did there they I don't want to say perfected, but made a lot better in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. So not only is it more visually consistent, sorry, my dog just hit the door. Um, <laughs> it's more visually consistent, but it just looks better and it has aged better because of it. There, I mean, there's an argument to be made just because something's aged doesn't make it bad. Like there are moments of CGI in this film that looked better than Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Like I can think of one particular shot where Wong gets hit into a car and then it transitions to a close-up, and it is one of the most jarring shots of the movie, and it stuck out to me like a sore thumb. Super random nitpick, but that's one of those things where, like Drew talked about being visually consistent, they took a lot of the visual issues with the Revenge of the or with Attack of the Clones and said, okay, how can we make this better? And they did it. That opening yeah. scene, that opening long take, is just something else. Also, they really listen to michael you already hit on this they really hit on a lot of the criticisms from attack of the clones they the dialogue is more intelligent across the board um there are still moments you know where it, it can be a little much or very straightforward but also i will say if you go back and watch the serials that george lucas based these on from the 40s the dialogue is the same way there it just doesn't play as well for modern audiences so the older i get the less i care about it um mm -hmm. In terms of pacing and like flow of the movie, you know, people complain there's way too much time, downtime in Phantom Menace between action scenes. People complain in Attack of the Clones, like Michael, I know one of your things with the movie is that the, the third act just goes on and on and on with action, action, action. That's something we talked about. Mm -hmm. In this one, it's much better structured. There's in between yeah. all the action, which there's a ton of, there's a lot of compelling like thematic drama going on. And it's within like, the action, there's compelling thematic drama. Yes, I, I just yeah. think he, it, his plan fin it finally clicked with what he had to do. And while it's not perfect, it just really came together. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I did have one one shot always bothers me. I don't know why, but for me, like I just said, most of the CGI in this movie is brilliant. It's absolutely it's it's mind blowing, especially for the time it came out. Um, but it holds up. There's this one shot in, in the begin the beginning sequence where. Dooku brings, you know, he push force pushes Obi-Wan away. He hits his he I guess he hits his head or something and he falls um and he's unconscious and then Dooku brings that bridge down on top of Obi-Wan and I always felt like that bridge falling looked really wonky. Like it looked like it was like a styrofoam bridge or something <laughs> like that. Is it just me? Have y'all noticed that before? I mean, I definitely know the shot you're talking about, but I've been, it's never stuck out to me. I have a sec, I have a separate shot from the beginning I could talk about, but oh, yeah, okay. it hasn't stuck out to me either. But like now, I'm curious and I want to like rewatch it again, just that scene to like. <laughs> Thanks, see Michael. It. You just ruined the only shot from that that sticks out to me is when Dooku does the random front flip 
over the like. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Like, that was unnecessary. <laughs> it kills me. Yeah, it's but, like you want to talk about unnecessary. <laughs> it's it's it is really funny. I by the way, I love that part. I took a note of this because it's very clearly symbol symbolizing. But Palpatine in that room is you know captured, but he is he's in his throne basically it looks just like return of the jedi it I looks just like that room time ever today dude it looks just like that room and um it, it's it's really i never noticed how similar the rooms looked mm -hmm. but it really does and then to see you know him pulling the strings that that strongly from that and then like even to where he's like trying to convince a Skywalker to join the dark side. It's just like very much mirroring return of the Jedi. And I just thought that was really cool. And I, it, it was way more deliberate than I remember it being, you know? Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. I'm so glad you said that. Cause that's something I picked up on too. I was like the, the, like the callbacks, but also in a way it's a, it's a, a foreshadowing of what's going to happen is just, it's so well done. Yeah. Um, it's unique cause it's a prequel, but uh, also there's, Two things. One, there's a shot that sticks out to me from the beginning where I'm like, ooh, the green screen king wasn't as great there. It's when Anakin meets Grievous. He goes, General Grievous, you're shorter than I expected. The background is too flat. It just, it looks very obvious green screen. Uh, they didn't blur it as much as they should have. And it just, you can just tell. Like that, I don't know why, but every time I see it, I'm like, come on, yeah, guys. It's one shot. That's wow. just one shot. Um, <laughs> but something they did a lot better on. In Attack of the Clones, when Anakin and Dooku duel, there it's obviously a stunt double doing a lot of uh, Christopher Lee's uh, moves and choreography, and they CGI'd his face on. Uh, CGI'd might be the improper term, but they put his face on the stunt double, and it's so bad and it's so noticeable in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> love the movie, love the movie, but it's just really awkward. I have to look at the lightsaber. You're telling me Christopher Lee didn't do all of those fights? What's crazy is he did more <laughs> of it in Revenge of the Sith. It's it's really? very clear when you can tell he's doing the choreography because he did a lot of the close-up stuff, so they didn't have to show him swinging his yeah. body crazy. But on the shots where they add the uh, his face onto the stunt double, I looked for it, and I had trouble finding it. I found it in mm -hmm. one shot, and I was like, okay, it's there. They massively improved either the tech and mm -hmm. all that there, which is probably the same tech that they're – they were using on Luke in the Mandalorian season two. And I'm like, Hey guys, that's from 2005. Can you do <laughs> better and not do what you did in book of it, which is better, but not what we want. And then anyway. they were like, okay, no problem. We'll devote a whole episode of the book of Boba Fett to it. I'm just kidding. To Uncanny <laughs> Valley. <laughs> but yeah, um, I love that. Yeah. And, and it's really funny talking about this. I'm not, I'm not a CGI snob in any stretch of the imagination i a lot of you guys curry i know you notice this stuff because you know uh, you know more how it's done you're trained your eye is trained to see it honestly mine's not i can pretty well i mean i can see bad cgi a lot of the time but a lot of time i can't see some of the cgi that's a little more borderline and so that's why it's kind of interesting that i notice this bridge at least i feel like the bridge falling looks really bad but you guys have never noticed it which is it's kind of surprising to me, but I like all that face stuff in Attack of the Clones that you were just talking about. Never noticed it. Never. Not one time. It's and so, I'm, like, I'm very forgiving with that kind of thing because I never yeah. noticed it until like the last two years, because especially with older films, 
I don't yeah. feel like you can hold it against them if the CGI is bad, unless it was like awful for the time. And even then, if it doesn't distract from the enjoyment, then right, we're power to them. Yeah, and it's for me, it's always just like, how's the story though? Like, yeah. I can, I'm so maybe too forgiving. I am so forgiving of bad visual effects if the story has me captivated. Yep. And you know, this mm-hmm. movie did. Um, I did one thought on the opening sequence before we move on. I love already. Um, I, I love how not already, but I love how there was this one shot of th- they go out of their way to show Anakin really loves to fly. And um, there was this one shot where he's like, it's in the cockpit and he smiles and then he does a spin move. And I mm-hmm. know he was thinking spin move. I'll do a spin move. That's a good trick. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. <laughs> and, and it works perfectly to get rid of the missiles or whatever. And I was just like, I love that. I yeah. I don't know if that was a purposeful callback, but for me, I saw him thinking spin move time. <laughs> and, and <laughs> I I really loved it. I thought it. So that's in my head canon. That's what he's doing. <laughs> so. It's so interesting to me. Like Anakin's a lot more witty in this one. Yeah. Um, and I was actually, I was thinking about uh, talking about that, but I forgot to yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I feel like when they were developing the Clone Wars animated show, they're like, okay, he ended Attack of the Clones as like an unsure Padawan. Now he's a more sure cocky Jedi Knight. What would he be like? Well, mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith. That's, yeah. that's him at the height of his power as a Jedi Knight. What's he like? And so it's cool to see like, oh, that's how they translated into the series. They got it from how he played in this movie. And um, luckily they're like, Anakin, the doors are closing or the mm-hmm. or the shields are down. The shields are up. He's like, sorry, master. And he does another spin move yep. and then shoots them. But like, it's nothing though. And yep. Uh, everything uh, like when he calls the elevator back down when they're falling and he's like, oops, <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know that, that kind of humor works for me. Yeah. It's great. I do love the dialogue. I don't, it's pretty funny to me, but as they're escaping with, with Palpatine, uh, they're wait, no, I'm sorry. I don't actually think that they have Palpatine just yet. No, because Obi-Wan is conscious for this. Um, so Obi-Wan is like, wait a minute, we're smarter than this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always laugh so hard at that line because it's just so silly, but it's also, it's it's fine. I see what they're doing, but it's pretty funny. And fun. I love how Anakin's like, I say, we have patience. And Obi-Wan's I say like, patience. <laughs> Obi-Wan's just like, like, you're saying we have patience? <laughs> 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 Neil McGregor says so much with just his face in so mm-hmm. many scenes. I know, and I love how even... Um, the the attitude between uh obi-wan anakin and r2 obi-wan is just like wanting wanting to like badmouth r2 and anakin's like he he's trying he's trying and and meanwhile it shows r2 just like demolishing an army of droids it's just so great classic r2 doing so much they found the right balance of humor in this one because i know the they struggled with it in Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, so I, I feel like they did a lot better with it here. Music on oh, the yeah. film! <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, they did. They did oh, find a great balance. Drag. Was Jar Jar in this one? He is. Um, I don't even remember. It's, it's so brief. He, yeah. it's, it's almost like a cameo. Yeah. <laughs> Jar Jar cameo. Yeah. Um, I did. I guys, here's something I want to bring up, and I think it could. I think this. This is something that I've. Of course, when you watch it you notice that this is happening, but I actually took notes on all of the different things that he said doing it. 
And I just took note, especially like watching Attack of the Clones, how early on Palpatine was not even being sneaky about deceiving Anakin and like twisting that knife for a long time about, you know, putting in his, putting in his, in Anakin's mind that he didn't need training. He doesn't need, these guys need to be listening to him and all of this stuff. And I can I decided this time, uh, I need to, I need to actually count and take note of, of all of the things that he says and all of the different ways that Palpatine manipulates Anakin. So I, here's, here goes here. This is a list that I took. Palpatine t- tells Anakin, I'm counting on you. I'm depending on you. I'm appointing you. They need you. You're the best choice by far. The Jedi Council want control of the Republic. All who gain power are afraid to lose it, even the Jedi. He could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. Not from a Jedi. It's upsetting to me that the Council doesn't seem to fully appreciate your talents. Don't you don't you wonder why they won't make you a Jedi Master? They don't trust you. They know your power will be too strong to control. Only through me can you achieve a power greater than any Jedi. Learn to know the dark side of the Force and you will be able to save your wife from certain death. You're fulfilling your destiny, Anakin. Only then will you become uh only then will you be strong enough to save Padme. And at some point I just stopped taking notes. <laughs> Once he like he's clearly just like not even trying to hide it anymore at the end there, but like that so much manipulation and it's not even like it's not even sneaky it's just so blatant and and, another big one too where in the padme uh the that song we talked about where they're like sitting across the city anakin either has a thought or remembers something palpatine said or palpatine reaches out through the force and he says if the jedi kill me you lose any hope in saving padme essentially is what he says and it's like yeah Holy cow. It's just Palpatine's a genius. He's just a genius. And it's very evident in this movie. And I think this is one of the things this trilogy does the most right. They, they show this slow ascension of this politician um, into, and, and then you see the, you see more and more as it goes on, how many things he's been working behind the scenes and seeing how how long it's been since he took notice of Anakin and how long that he's been planning that he is going to be my next apprentice and I will do I will do everything that I can to make that happen and he's just that scene at the opera is just so it's that is a top 10 Star Wars scene potentially i actually had that in my notes too <laughs> it's it, so good it uh, is one of the best like it just in terms of performance dialogue lore like it does yeah. so much in music the yeah. the throat singing yeah i want to try to put some music to that what we just did Drew, it's yeah that that would be a great idea actually. Drew, do you have? I know it's hard to see. Obviously, I can't see you, so I, yeah. I don't know. I want to make sure that we get you in in, in these <laughs> thoughts. Any Palpatine thoughts here? Um, mm, I guess you guys covered a lot of Palpatine, so I'll just have to say, uh, 
this definitely has my favorite Palpatine dialogue, specifically. Have you ever heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? <laughs> and I know, Classic. I know, how, I know. I'm like kind of laughing about it because it's a meme, but like, honestly, that that line of dialogue is so good, Dude, so this, iconic. This movie is a meme. Like, there are so <laughs> yeah. many memes and gifs from this movie. It's insane. <laughs> that I think is a testament to the impact it had. Like, people joke oh, yeah. about it, and but when me when movies can become so memeable in like a good way, not because they're like bad. It, yeah. it just it enriches it for me as like yeah, a cultural it's like, thing. It's like Sam Raimi's Spider Sam Raimi's Spider Man trilogy. Yes. Like, yep. Like everybody loves it, but they still meme the crap out of it. <laughs> yep. Say what you will about Spider Man Three. I know. I know, Curry. Oh, yeah. You like it, but uh, but that I mean, Gold Bully Maguire. <laughs> that uh, that is honestly some of the best memeing I've ever seen. <laughs> So yeah. I'm so thankful for that movie, if nothing else, for that. Uh, but uh, Curry, it looks like you want to say something. I do. Probably want to defend that movie. No, I'm just gonna <laughs> not, not even go there. Um, we've had that discussion too many times. But the there's so many ethically questionable, morally questionable things going on in Revenge of the Sith. Like Anakin is torn between two worlds constantly. He's trying to do the right thing with the Jedi. Uh, Palpatine tells him to kill Dooku and he says yep. it's not the Jedi way and he says uh, he's too dangerous to be left alive which interesting enough when Anakin is also trying to do the right thing later by saving Palpatine so the Jedi aren't trying to overthrow the Senate what does Mace Windu say he's too dangerous to be left alive hmm. and Anakin in that moment sees the hypocrisy of the Jedi and mm -hmm. saving Palpatine is actually the correct thing to do in the moment because he should be tried before the senate so the senate sees his corruption as a sith lord but mace takes it into his own hands except that he's an evil sith lord yes but <laughs> it's a the, tricky situation but the jedi committed guy. treason before they even knew he was a sith lord yep and yeah. that is what made, the older i get the more i pick up on that and it makes me sympathize with Anakin's fall so much easier because totally. I think there's a really common complaint like Anakin's arc is rushed. Anakin falls too easily. It's not though. When when you no, look at all the subtleties that happen in the film, he he kills Dooku and it feels off to him because mm -hmm. he he feels weird and how it was done. But he ultimately is like you know Palpatine was probably right. He is constantly torn between the Jedi and Palpatine. He is insulted in front of the entire council, but not being made a master. That had never happened before. Then he's asked to spy on Palpatine and betray the Jedi Code, commit treason by his closest friend in the Order. And he's questioning the whole time. And then, of course, you know, he has the visions of Padme and his loyalty to her. And she, after his biggest victory, arguably, when he goes off with the uh, politicians, not that it's ruined by the news that she's pregnant, but it's like, oh no. I still I can't even enjoy this because the Jedi won't let me have attachment. He goes to Yoda for help after the the dream, and Yoda yeah. tells him to let it all go and move on and don't worry about it. And uh, Anakin is like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna do that." You can just tell by his face. So consistently, Anakin is being torn one way or another, trying to do the right thing. He's even trying to do the right thing with his own selfish motivations and saving Palpatine, but it's much more complicated than that. It's really wild to think about that 
stopping Mace Windu from killing Palpatine is actually honoring the Jedi Code. But then Anakin realizes he is now complicit in the murder of the second highest ranking Jedi. And what do you do? You've, you've gone over the edge. Go with it. Right after that, I'm just going to finish this tangent. So I just get it all out now. <laughs> but right yeah. after that, you know, they're talking. Palpatine is justifying what's happening, right? He's, he's manipulating again. He's saying, well, if, if this happened, the, the ramifications of it are all the Jedi will try to kill us. And what do the Jedi do when they find out? They try to kill Anakin and Palpatine. That's exactly what happens. Now, when when uh, Palpatine says they'll kill all the senators too, that's always the part that made me go, mm, would that happen? But I did some Googling on some forums and stuff just to read what people said about this because, of course, it's already been argued about. Um, the They'd already said multiple times that they would have to take over the Senate if Palpatine wouldn't give up his power, that they would forcibly take it over. That's a coup, and what happens in these situations? There's typically violence, because senators, a lot of senators that were in his pocket would not go peacefully. So in a way, from a, and actually the article I said, from a certain point of view, <laughs> shameless plug, um, Palpatine's right. And Anakin replies kind of perfectly. He says, I agree. Their next move will be against the Senate. He doesn't go as far because he's still struggling. And then another complaint from that scene is like, how does Anakin go from like feeling these things and wanting to save Padme and stop uh, Mace from killing the Sith Lord so they have proof to killing children not long after? Because he threw himself into the deep end. All he could be focused on, and if you read the book, it helps, but you don't. You shouldn't have to read the book to help with the movie. He threw himself into this. He saw it as a point of no return. And what does Palpatine say to him? If you want to be strong enough in the dark side to save Padme, killing all the Jedi, and I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing, killing all the Jedi, th- throwing yourself into the deep end of the dark side will get you the power you need. And Continuing not, to twist that knife. Yeah, not mm-hmm. only is that giving him the potential he needs to access the power that he wants to save Padme, but we also know from earlier that he wants more. He doesn't just want to save Padme, he wants more power. Right. And Anakin has been power hungry throughout it all because to overcome stuff that he could never control. And that, when he says, I want more and I know I shouldn't, that's when it's like, oh, okay. It's beyond Mm -hmm. just saving his mother, saving Padme. It's it's about power. It's about entitlement. It's about I'm the chosen one and dang it, I want enough power to do things my way because I'm tired of being told what to do. I love listening to you talk about that because number one, it sounds like you sound like me defending the last Jedi. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, number two, that scene you were talking about with Yoda, where he was, where they were in the meditation chamber and Yoda mm-hmm. and Anakin were talking. I actually, that dialogue really stood out to me because, you know, there's always this, um, there's always this question in star Wars, like, well, the Jedi were that you know the jedi are are really trying they're i believe the jedi are trying to do good yeah and at some point they lost who they are and at some point they became they went to the point of almost no return and they became something they were never meant to be but i believe that their intention was always to do good and to be defenders of the peace um and instead they became soldiers like uh mace windu said that they're not soldiers um, but 
you know, there's always been this weird thing with the Jedi and attachment and like how, you know, in this, in this scene, Yoda's talking about attachment and I hate everything he says, but then at the end of the day, he's, he's right about like him, uh, Anakin giving into his attachment is what ultimately leads to all of that stuff happening to Padme anyway. Mm-hmm. He was being deceived. Mm-hmm. And and so like the Jedi may have it may seem dogmatic and honestly I hate it. Like I I don't know that it's the right answer, but I think this whole thing every I you know on Star Wars Twitter everyone's like the Jedi are evil and attachment is always like it seems like people are always just all in on the Jedi and attachment should be hand in hand. And I think there's somewhere in the middle that I still don't really fully know where I stand on it because they were absolutely right. (laughs) They were absolutely right. But on the flip side, it was Luke's attachment to his father that saved and redeemed Mm -hmm. him. Unfortunately, it was after the deaths of many millions of people because of Darth Vader. So like it, but it's one of those things where it's like, there are instances in star Wars where the Jedi are right. There are instances in star Wars where the Jedi are way off base. And it's really one of those things where I'm curious to see the development of the Jedi order going forward with Ray and with whoever way down the line. I'm interested to see that because it is not a simple thing. Attachment to people within the Jedi order is not just, yeah, you should totally, it's all good. Like it's not that at all. So that scene, uh, I'll just read this dialogue and then I'll let Drew talk uh, after this, just kind of respond to it. Um, I feel like I've been talking for a long time, but you're good. uh, Yoda says, death is a natural part of life. Rejoice for those around you who transform into the force. Mourn them. Do not miss them. Do not. Attachment leads them to jealousy, or I'm sorry, leads to jealousy. The shadow of greed, that is. Um, Anakin says, what must I do, Master Yoda? Yoda says, train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. There is truth in what Yoda is saying, but it's also like, I don't believe that we should not mourn those we love. I don't believe that we should not miss them. But I also believe, um, I also think there is, there is, like there's got to be somewhere in the middle because clear like this detachment is this complete detachment from attachments is one of the reasons why the Jedi forgot who they were to begin with in my opinion so I don't know Drew what do you think yeah the this topic is definitely one of my favorites with like just the Star Wars fandom because <clears throat> it, it just shows like how the like even if even though it may seem the jedi are like very black and white like at the end of the day they're not and there's like so many different angles to like look at all of their like practices and beliefs and stuff and i think revenge of the sith handles all of that really well um and yeah like you know uh i honestly with palpatine with anakin saving palpatine i always looked at it as an attachment to palpatine because he was friends with him Mm. but when curry was uh bringing up how um 
you know, he was intervening, like Anakin was intervening to stop Mace Windu because ultimately what Mace Windu was trying to do was against the Jedi Code. I, uh, it's kind of like changed my perspective on that. So, yeah, like, I, I, I don't know. I love, like, the politics of the prequel trilogy, which a lot of people don't love, but I think it adds so much more depth to the universe of Star Wars and especially, like, the Jedi. It, the um, world building is more complete with it. Like, it wouldn't have worked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, it adds so mm -hmm. much to the Empire, knowing what the Empire came from. I yeah. was kind of mind blown that the uh, when I realized as a younger person, like, oh my gosh, the Republic is the Empire. Like, I it didn't click until until it did, and once it did, I was like, oh, <laughs> and you know, it was just one of those things where my as a kid, you don't watch. I didn't watch it for the politics. In fact, I was mm -hmm. bored by the politics at that point. Oh yeah, but seeing. Palpatine as an evil politician pulling strings behind kind of like a uh, uh, Frank Underwood uh, in uh, House of Cards um, man it, it pulling the strings from the get-go and his slow steady rise to the top and the it, it's and seeing him on a personal on a giant political level he's manipulating this giant war <laughs> and seeing him on a extremely intimate and personal level com just completely uh, manipulating Anakin mm -hmm. to the point where to the point where he no to where he believes fully that the right thing to do in this situation is kill innocent children and to kill to hunt down and destroy the rest of the Jedi and it's it's just it's crazy the level of manipulation and how well this film does at conveying it it's it's mm. it really is great and you know obviously we know killing the children is wrong but also palpatine talks about you know if we don't act now the the republic will be thrust in, into an ending civil war and palpatine is right like even if he wasn't a sith lord and they tried to remove him there probably would have been republic civil war and they'd already yeah. been decimated by wars and Anakin wanted the war to end more than anyone. So it could be with Padme. So mm -hmm. uh, if you haven't read the revenge of the Sith novelization, it's one of those books that it adds stuff that the movie doesn't need, because I feel like personally, I feel like the movie communicates everything it needs to without clone wars and without the book. It doesn't need yeah. anything. Yeah, I agree. Clone wars makes it better. Could you see even more of Anakin's falling out with the Jedi? And the, oh, yeah. oh gosh, guys, if, if you're into reading Star Wars books, please, please read the Revenge of the Sith novelization. It just it adds so much more. So now when I watch the movie, I think of it and I'm like, mm -hmm. I can't use that in arguing certain things unless it comes up. By the way, I bought the uh, I bought the A Certain Point of View book that goes along with Empire today. Nice. So I'm, I'm really excited to read that. That's going to be really cool. Sorry. This is Continue. totally totally off topic. Then I'll go back to what I was saying. I was uh, – uh, out of town yesterday and i was hanging out with my friend he, he teaches some high school students and i mentioned a co-host of star wars podcast and they're like oh which one i was like uh, a certain point of view and they're like seriously we've heard of that and i'm like <laughs> really I was like, that's amazing <laughs> and i showed him the twitter and he's like yeah this is it that's amazing so hey curry yeah. shout him out <laughs> if he's listening <laughs> yeah hey uh i think your name was reed if it's not i'm very sorry there was like 40 high school people there but <laughs> maybe you for shouldn't do this <laughs> I can edit that out if you want. Yeah, edit the thing. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember 
exactly what I was talking about, but I wanted to hit on the fact novelization. that novelization. Yeah. Yeah. The novelization. So gosh, I have so much I want to talk about. <laughs> um, when Anakin is denied being a master in the movie, it's like, Oh, he's insulted. Like, okay, that works in the book. Not only is he insulted, he was trying to access the Jedi archives to find out more about Sith like teaching and all. Cause they had it, but it was restricted to masters only. So, uh, young, like more inexperienced Jedi weren't tempted by it, but only masters could access it. So when he got, uh, when he got promoted to being on the council by Palpatine, he got excited by being a master because then he could access this, maybe find out about saving Padme. That's cool. So Mm. when they denied it to him, the rage from being insulted, which is justifiable and also being denied another chance to save Padme is, is also there. So it adds another layer, but it's only in the book. But he said he pulled everything from the script, so it makes me wonder if they cut it from the film. Mm. Um, another yeah. great thing about the book is it makes the Dooku fight at the beginning so much better. It, the guy who wrote it, Matthew Stover, he was he's a combat veteran and oh. knows a ton about martial arts. So the fight scenes are written very well. And he goes into like the six forms of like saber combat and what Dooku mm. thinks, because Dooku's one of the best duelists. And like mm. how Dooku is thinking about Kenobi and Anakin during the fight, it's brilliant. The other thing I wanted to hit on, I don't want to forget, and I know I'm talking way too much. I'm so sorry, but I'm not because it's a podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, the there's so much ambiguity in Revenge of the Sith. There's a lot of unanswered questions, but not not the kind that drive you crazy, but the kind that like leave it up to you to interpret. Like, how did Palpatine know about Anakin's dreams? And then the argument comes up: Did Palpatine plant those dreams? Did Palpatine use the, his incredible power in the Force to really read Anakin better than anybody ever thought he could? Personally, that's what I subscribe to. I don't like doing the, oh, he planted the dreams. I think it just gives him a little bit too much power, and that goes beyond what I think. Yeah, because then it's like, because then it's then you get the whole the whole he created Anakin himself thing. And hey, but you know you gotta you gotta take into an account. You know, he did come back to life. That's true. So it's like he can, he can probably do anything, you know. So I, yeah, so that was actually going to be my next point, Drew um, and Michael. So you know, did he plant the dreams? No, but did he use the dreams? Yes, and he knew yeah. about he knew about his marriage too. Palpatine knew everything going on, even in Legends continuity. In a Legends continuity mm-hmm. in the Darth Plagueis novel, uh, Michael, I don't know if you know this. Probably not. Um, <laughs> in the in the whole like. Uh, the tragedy of Darth Plagueis, the wise scene, you know, he says he had the ability to create life and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it, he strongly hints that he was behind Anakin's creation in the Darth Plagueis book in legends. And I don't think this has ever been addressed in Canon. So until they do, this is kind of like the de facto thing people go to Plagueis could influence midichlorians. And he was trying to create experiments, but none of them had like come to life. Like they were just like botched, almost like, the dead looking Snokes in Rise of Skywalker, they were just like failed experiments. Mm-hmm. And when he when there's something called the Grand Experiment in Star Wars lore, him and Palpatine attempted to do it stronger than ever using Sith alchemy, and it fails and nothing happens. And the Force, in response to the Sith, create Anakin to fulfill the prophecy, and so they indirectly cause their own demise. I like, like that story. so much better than Palpatine created him. Like, yeah. like, like that and, is so much better to me. That was, 
and that's darkness rises and light and light to meet it yeah <laughs> kind of a thing and they failed so in a way they are indirectly responsible for sure, Anakin's creation yeah. and in a way because of their actions Plagueis did create life but it's but again that's Palpatine manipulating the truth into uh-huh. what can help Anakin turn to the dark side so I just I haven't read the book fully. Um, it's one of those ones that it goes into all the politics behind the scenes that Palpatine is doing. Yeah. Um, and that's just always really fascinating to me. And that's something I hope makes the jump from legends to canon. Um, yeah. Because I just, maybe. I, maybe. Acolyte will be before all that, I think. 100 yeah. years? Yeah. It's 100 years, I think. Yeah. Palpatine was, this, this was like happening, I mean, this led to Anakin's birth. So this was like probably 90 years in the future. Yeah. Yeah, from that, but yeah, do a little cool. backstory for you. I I like that a lot. Um, I really I really do like I like that idea so much more than because I've oh. heard people say he created he he used the force and you know he was in, in essence the father. You know when Shmi says there was no father, I hate I've always hated that argument, but with no basis. I haven't read the books or any the, like the legends books or anything like that. I've just always been like I hope that's not in a book. <laughs> Not, but, and that's taking it too literally. But what I like about what the film, the film doesn't commit to it. Yeah. The film doesn't commit to any of these ideas. Like, how did Palpatine do that? Yeah. Well, and for once, I'm okay with the, because he's the powerful Dark Lord of the Sith. They don't know how it works. We don't know how it works. And we just know that the Sith use the dark side. The dark side is a natural occurring element in the Force because there's creatures and stuff that feed off the dark side. There's dark side, like, spots like the island in last jedi the cave and on dagobah dagobah itself really um it's the sith twist it to a point that throws the force out of balance and i do like the idea that that he just manipulated that he just he just i feel like it's so believable that anakin is an open book to palpatine like like he is not guarded whatsoever from palpatine and he has no control over his emotions and he can read them like a book so i really like the thought that no, he didn't plant those dreams. He just, he knew about them because he, he read them. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, and I mean, I'm reading, I just started the Brotherhood book today about Obi-Wan and Anakin, the one that just came out. It's really good so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a moment where Obi-Wan sees Padme and Anakin in the hallway, like see each other. And Obi-Wan gets like three pages worth of like thoughts from Anakin and like feelings, things that he's feeling through the force mm-hmm. just from that small moment. Mm-hmm. Anakin spent decades like befriending Palpatine well I guess at least a decade befriending Palpatine he told him about the sand people he told him everything stuff Obi-Wan didn't even know um so of course he'd be able to read him like an open book yep and if Palpatine is influencing him through the dark side like you know if we're going to be consistent in Rise of Skywalker where he says to Kylo I was every voice inside your head then he probably did enhance those feelings and push things on Anakin both directly and indirectly to make it worse. But I, I just don't like to subscribe to the fact that he created these visions in Anakin's head because I think that's taking away from Anakin's power and his agency a little bit. And there's nothing in Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith that directly really allude to that. Sure. But I do also think it's fair to ask, well, then, like, where did the images come from then? And, where, like, where did they come from in the second movie? You know? Um, well, foresight is, a, is like a common force power. Yoda even says be careful when looking into the future. Yeah. Yoda yeah, has yeah, done yeah. it. And so that's like mm. a common thing established. That's and even in Phantom Menace, Qui-Gon says he can see things before they happen. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a great point. Drew, I know all of this stuff is pretty like 
it, it there's not a whole lot that's like established canon and all that stuff uh, about mm-hmm. about this but like like curry said it's interpreted it's kind of left up to us to interpret for now what do you think of all of this stuff with palpatine and cloning and influence over anakin and all that stuff yeah i've definitely like heard all these theories before like especially the one where like palpatine created anakin and i I don't i don't know how i feel about that especially especially with them bringing palpatine back in rise of the skywalker or the rise of skywalker oh rise of the skywalker (laughs) rise of the skywalker like rise of the palpatine (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) no i definitely I find all these like theories super interesting uh, because I definitely think that some of them could be accurate. Um, there could be portions of them that are true to what is actually going on behind the scenes. Um, and I definitely like the idea of this grand experiment that they were working on failing and it like forcing forcing the force to create a light side like opposite in response um so yeah if they were ever to like go one of those directions i would totally be fine with that because i think it uh fits in very well thematically with what's already been established with the chosen one and all of that please don't make palpatine be the creator of anakin yeah, not not the direct way. Like it's just yeah, no, it's just too much. There was a comic book panel, and one of them it was one of the Vader comics. Vader's having visions, and it shows Shmi pregnant, and it shows like Palpatine behind her, like yes. with his hands around the womb. And people were like, oh, they just confirmed it. But then the yeah, writer, I remember came, that. the writer came out and was like, no, it's Anakin having visions of all of his, all of his like uh, different trials and tribulations, and who controls him, and like who he looked up to, and all the big figures in his life. And I'm like. Yeah, well, you didn't handle that well. I can see why people interpreted it that way. You know? Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, it, it, you know, I I'm so glad he came out and said that. But it, right. if you see that picture, it's like that's. I see why people would have think would have thought that. Right. What is the what is the uh, the comic thing where Luke's hand is used to clone palpatine or something like that is that what is that what it is curry or drew uh yeah well it's never directly stated so there's in the current vader comics which i have to catch up on uh vader goes to exegol after all of his failures in uh, empire strikes back palpatine's like punching him and like questioning whether he should even still be his apprentice so he brings he brings him to exegol and makes him go through all these trials and you just see a shot of a hand in the background like among all the science equipment that presumably makes snoke um, and anything else that happened there. So they don't directly say that it's Luke hand, Luke's hand as, as far as my knowledge mm-hmm. goes. It's like an Easter egg. Um, and I hope they never touch it again because I hate that. I, I, don't <laughs> I really like the cloning stuff as far as Camino and like oh, Palpatine yeah. is always thinking steps ahead. So not only is this cloning for, you know, the war that he's like manufacturing, but it's also for his future plans for when he inevitably mm-hmm. dies. He's thinking that many steps ahead, and I love that, and I love the Camino stuff in general. I think it's so fascinating. But oh, I yeah. hate this stupid idea <laughs> of cloning from Luke's hand. And just, that that is where Star Wars, some of this stuff that I think there's probably, I think I've heard. Correct me if I'm wrong. That some of this stuff is. Uh, originates from legends like where there's a lot of cloning stuff that's kind of just 
and it, there there comes a point where it doesn't feel like it feels more like a weird sci-fi channel movie <laughs> like the sci-fi <laughs> channel on tv yeah. rather than rather than star wars if that makes sense there, i don't know it, there is cloning that goes on but it's properly built up to across several books with a lot of exposition and world building that it doesn't feel like out of nowhere for the sake of fan service it gotcha. and it was pre-camino too so it was really novel at the time mm. and when you read about like i think they're oh gosh i'm messy on my legends lore but you know, Palpatine genius does come compared back. to me. <laughs> Palpatine does come back, and it is through via cloning, mm-hmm. but it has to do with the spirit essence transfer, which Rise of Skywalker yeah. stole. Um, I think there is a clone of Luke at some point, but it was like trying to make Luke evil, and Luke. like it was a whole big <laughs> like scheme. But also, like uh, the Dark Empire, where Palpatine comes back, Luke turns to the dark side, but he doesn't turn to the dark side because he is. Like finally succumb to Palpatine, he turns to the dark side to learn more about it and able to defeat Palpatine. Like there's a whole interesting twist. So Legends gets a lot of crap for being messy, but it's not as messy as people realize because it had so much time to yeah. properly build up over the years. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm kind of a, I'm I I can safely say I d- I really don't know if I'm going to read any of those Legends. I, I the, just Wikipedia. That's all you need. Yeah, to do. the stuff that you that that I hear people talk about like that, it just doesn't interest me at all. Like like not even a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. To, and to be fair, I haven't read many Legends books either. I've just spent like a long time on Wikipedia pages. And from that, <laughs> yeah. I know what stories I want to read. Yeah. Um, and also just my dad read, read a lot of them growing up. So Yeah. I just want, while we're talking about Palpatine, I think we have to just talk for a second about Ian McDiarmid's performance in this movie. He is so good and so like, he has the perfect villain personality and once he's laying it on thicker like his face when he says ironic like that that face when he's again another meme but that face that he makes is just so evil and like he's thinking man those were the good times where i killed my master (laughs) oh my god in that moment that's the context we need to be like oh this was his master Mm-hmm. Unless you somehow didn't know he was the Sith Lord, right? <laughs> Some people didn't know when they saw Revenge of the Sith, so they were shocked. Yeah. I figured it out by that point finally, but I didn't know in the Phantom Menace. I was oh, my I dad was, was like, was "Hey, a wee lad, that's the Emperor," and we were all like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Drew, what do you think of of his performance in this movie? Oh yeah, it's it's so good. His performance, and then like Ewan McGregor's, like just oh. Oh, yeah, and we'll we'll get to Obi Wan later, but like, I'm just saying, like, uh, Revenge of the Sith has a lot of standout performances for me, uh, especially for being the prequels because people, you know, hate on the prequels for the dialogue and stuff like that. But yeah, Ian McDermott and Ewan McGregor, they just really push through, even with the tough dialogue that they have to work with. Their performances mm-hmm. are so good. And it's all because of, like, the subtle, like, visual, like, whether it's facial expressions or, like, other body language, they they just nail it so well. Mm-hmm. The older I get, the more I appreciate Hayden's acting, too. Like, it's a Dude, lot more oh, nuanced yeah. than I thought it was as a kid. Especially in this one, man. There, are, there yeah. are times in this movie, I don't know, I can't remember, I can't remember a time in this movie, this watch, where I was like, 
So that was pretty rough from Hayden there. I feel like generally he's either like satisfactory or like phenomenal, like in certain there, scenes. There's, yeah. there's one line I still struggle with. It's in. I haven't gotten to that part in this rewatch, so maybe. Oh, never mind. I know. I have one. You you might be about to say it. If you're not with me, then you're oh. my enemy. Oh, like the, okay. way he, the way he delivers that one, I'm just kind of like, I don't know. It's always rubbed me a little weird. But. That one didn't bother me as much this time. The part that is absolutely the worst, and honestly, I don't know how any dialogue could have, or how any acting could have saved this dialogue, but it's the part where he's talking to Padme on the balcony, and he's like, "No, no, no, I'm so in love with you." <laughs> that that <laughs> part, <laughs> that part is, and and then she's like, "Oh, so love has blinded you." Like that whole part <laughs> is so rough for me. That's oh, probably man. out of the entire movie to today when I was, well, yesterday and today when I was watching it, that was the part that I was like, I, I can't remember any real parts that, that it really made me cringe except for that. And it always does. That part's <laughs> so bad to me. Meanwhile, I'm watching that scene like they're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, uh, I've, I've got sympathy for the, like the really over the top puppy dog love. Cause I'm kind of that way with my wife. Like, it's just how I'm wired, but I get, I understand why people would cringe at it. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna d die on that hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drew, while we're talking about it, we've been gushing about this movie the entire time. Basically, is there any, do you have any criticism of this movie? Like, uh, I know, like we talk about this movie as the best of the prequels, but I definitely have a few things that. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, so on this rewatch, something I noticed uh, that I hadn't really noticed before was the pacing. And while I think it's definitely the be like the best pacing out of all three, uh, it opens with the incredible fight over Coruscant. And after that, for almost like 30 minutes, there is so much downtime. And I get that they're like trying to like set stuff up and like a lot of exposition is needed, but like this time I really felt it. I was like, dang, like there's a lot of downtime and and I get we just had like this huge opener, but like I, I felt like maybe some of that could have been like a little bit smoother, like cut down or like spread out or something. I don't know, but yeah, there's like a few moments like that where I, I'd never really felt the runtime before, but like this time I was just like, dang, like I, I didn't notice like how much it slows down after the opening and obviously it picks back up later on, but I was just yeah, like, a little wow. bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, dude, I, I gotta say of all the, of all the prequel movies, I mean, you said the same thing. This one is definitely the best pace, but I, I did not. It, I always talk about this in attack of the clones. When it gets, <laughs> when it gets right after Anakin kills, you know, the, all the women and the children, and uh, and the men from the from that village when he after that part like that part is is actually like amazing but um you know in a really sad and tragic way not in like a way where i like murder um <laughs> but uh <laughs> right after that part it it's when anakin and padme decide they need to go to um oh lord geonosis and and save obi-wan and so that whole that whole part where where they're going over there and they're going through the factory and you have c-3po's humor and you have like and then you have this big fight in the arena for like 20 minutes and then like it, it, well, it felt like 20 minutes at least all of that actually 
really bores me a lot. Like, there's a lot of that third act, at least, like, in between the second and, and between that starting point where I said and where the the arena comes into play. Mm-hmm. All of that, I genuinely have a physical reaction where I fall asleep. Like, I get sleepy during that part <laughs> almost every time I oh watch my it. Gosh. And so that part there is nothing like that in this movie to me and in fact no, i in, in, in fact i would say they really did a good job of of and i think curry said something like this earlier i think they do a really good job of going in between um of going in between action sequences and important dialogue sequences and you know showing anakin's you know struggles within himself and then the relationship with obi-wan all these conversations happening I think there's a lot of stuff there in that middle part of the movie where it's genuinely paced well for me. So I never had a pacing thought in this movie. First of all, Michael, I, that is so crazy. It's, it's, it's funny how things just hit us differently because the third <laughs> act of Attack of the Clones is where it makes up for so much for me. Um, That's so funny. Yeah. It's, I, do, I, love, I love the third act of Attack, of Attack of the Clones. It is just like every bit of fan service I could ever ask for done well for me. As far as criticisms go, I actually do have some. There's a couple things, and some of this isn't Revenge of the Sith's fault. Some of this is later content's fault. How, really quickly, how long do you think Revenge of the Sith takes place over? Like how many days or weeks? Uh, it's at least a few days because we see nighttime several times. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say. It feels very quick. Right. So there's arguments. Some people say it's four days. Some people say it's 10 days. Some people say it's three weeks. Like there's no like definitive thing until Siege of Mandalore. And Siege of Mandalore seems to happen like really fast, but Mm -hmm. it's supposed to line up perfectly with Revenge of the Sith. So sometimes I'm like, ah, the timeline messes with my head when I'm watching it now. But that's not really this movie's fault. Um, Another piece of canon, the OG Clone Wars, when it was like the canon thing between the films, um, you know, it, it explained why Grievous was like damaged and not like as good of a fighter in it, uh, yeah. because basically do crush his lungs or whatever, which is why he's coughing. In the new canon, the Kenobi versus Grievous moment is a little anticlimactic for me. Um, I mm-hmm. feel like their duel is so short. I love the chase scene that happens afterwards and like when they have their little fist fight. That's all great, and it's so fun when it's happening too. Yeah, and oh, actually, yeah. I believe our Spielberg actually assisted on that whole sequence. Like oh, cool. he like George Lucas really? brought him in and he like assisted on that whole thing. Um, go double check on that, but I'm pretty sure that's I've what heard I'm... that Steven Spielberg came in and helped certain. Yeah, that's, and that's one of them. Um, but the actual like lightsaber, like one, the Grievous says, "I've been trained in your Jedi arts by Count Dooku," and I'm like, okay, now with <laughs> now with Clone Wars, uh, Obi Wan and Grievous have dueled like. 20 times like yeah. he knows you've been trained in the jedi arts and right. that helps me understand like oh he knows how to fight grievous he can defeat him pretty easily especially if he's wounded kind of thing because yeah. the kidnapping still happened so mace crushing his lungs still could have happened or a version of it but him saying that you had to do some mental gymnastics for that to fit with clone wars that's not the movie's fault that's kind of clone wars fault and then kind of retconning it's not a huge deal but it's just one of those little annoyances but i, I do wish dave filoni, i thought dave filoni was perfect no, Dave Filoni loves to retcon stuff, and it drives me nuts. But he was retconning uh, canon content at the time with Clone Wars. It was nuts. But anyway, um, yeah, I just wish that lightsaber fight had been a little bit more. And there are so many lightsaber fights in this movie. Um, not all of them are 
as well done as others. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoy the Palpatine versus all the Jedi fight. Uh, and with Windu, I do have criticisms of it. You know, I think people arguably are okay in saying, like, yeah, he kills the first two Jedi like, way too easily. They just stand there. Yeah. There's other canon stuff that's like, and you can maybe, part. you could theoretically say, like, yeah, that scream he did that's like super unnatural sounding confused them caught them off guard i'm fine with that i can ignore it but i totally get why people are upset by it that part's bad for me (laughs) the actual the actual filming of it ian mcdermott he he struggled with the choreography of the action Mm -hmm. scene so they shot a lot of it in close-up and they shot like three or four different versions of this fight and they ended up reshooting it at the end and doing a whole new version of it i read about this last time i watched it and i wish they had done the cgi of palpatine flipping off the chairs and stuff because when they're like when Mason and him are just standing there and they're like both guarding and they do like quick strikes like they're trying to test each other and then they go by the window it's great, but it's just a little they fumble themselves through it a little bit more because it's very obvious they had to use stun doubles they had to use close ups to make it look better. Palpatine's crazy faces don't bother me. It's nothing new, um, but I I get that criticism and I I do share in the. They probably could have executed those Jedi dying at the beginning better, like make it very apparent that that scream was supposed to be some kind of Sith technique or uh, something along those lines, because that is the, the more plausible explanation. Um, I otherwise, I always took some... that almost as I just almost I always took that part with the like the weird scream sound. Mm-hmm. I never took that as Palpatine doing that. I always took that as just like a like almost a music thing. You know what I mean? Like, to be told, I don't know what was intended. I will say that there is like board games and stuff that reference that as an ability, oh. and like in Star Wars Battlefront, uh, the one from 2015, that's an ability you can use as Palpatine. And when he does it, it does this weird like force effect to the screen and people around you. Um, hmm. So there's something there. I just don't know if that was the original intention. So I can't defend it too much. I'd bet money it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry, continue. I also get the, like, yeah, if I'm standing there about to arrest the chancellor and he suddenly whips out a lightsaber, does a 720 flip in midair and lands in front of me. I, and if I was a very cocky Jedi full of hubris and not Mace Windu, because Mace Windu, the book talks about his shatter point, like what he can do in sense in the force. Mace Windu's ability is what enabled him to like last and beat Palpatine. Um, so I understand like why that would catch someone off guard and you know yeah. get stabbed to death. But then you read about that those guys were supposed to be some of the best duelists. Yeah, in the, yeah. So I, I I get it. I get it. Yeah, I I that is one of my criticisms. I always think that is such even it, it wouldn't have been hard to make them just last a little longer, and it wouldn't have taken that much screen time. It it looks so lame the way that they do yeah. it. Like there's a few things in these movies when people, and honestly it's, this is a star Wars thing from the very beginning of star Wars in that hallway on a new hope it, where Vader is entering the ships. People are like, <laughs> like, like people die in really silly, lame ways. And it's just, it's, it's almost, it feels like bad acting is what it feels like. It feels like bad acting when it's happening. And so I hate the way that they look when they die. And I, (laughs) that sounds really weird, but I hate the way that they act when they die. And I hate that it happens so easily. This is going to be a hot take. All right. Oh boy. Here we go. As much as I love the, the prequels and like, especially Revenge of the Sith, the lightsaber duels aren't it for me oh my and i don't get me wrong i love the the last 
the last duel between Obi-Wan and Anakin. And I think it's like choreographed really well. I just think it's really stupid how they flip their lightsabers <laughs> like in literally every movement that they have. And I just think it's like so overdone. And that's why like I prefer like stuff like the Clone Wars and stuff like that because even though they might have like acrobatic movements, it's never over the top and it feels very natural. Especially in uh, the last season of the Clone Wars. Oh with, man, uh, when they were doing the mocap stuff. Yeah, with Ahsoka and uh, Darth Maul, that was like perfect because it felt like the prequels where like she was like flipping her sabers around and stuff, but it it just felt so perfect, and like I don't know, um, just like watching back like now with Revenge of the Sith, I'm like. It looks so silly at times, and I, I still love it because it's awesome and the music is so good. But oh man, like I don't know, it, it's it's hard to look back at it and just not want to laugh sometimes. But I still love it. <laughs> yeah, for me, I really, I really love some of the lightsaber duels in the in the prequels. Obviously, the last one of this movie comes to mind with Obi Wan yeah. versus uh, Anakin. And then also, like, obviously, Duel of the Fates. Um, but then some of them I am now, at least as an older as, – as now that I'm older, I don't know. Maybe I'm just – my tastes have changed a little bit or whatever. But I used to love the Yoda the Yoda fight with, um, with Dooku in Attack of the Clones. And I still enjoy it now. It's fun to see that little dude flipping around when you, previously we'd never seen it. Um, but it's, it's just a little bit silly nowadays. Um, the, for me, it's in this one, I feel like, I feel like the, uh, the battle between Yoda and Palpatine is kind of weird. I like the symbolism, like as they're fighting in the Senate and like, you know, the symbolism there. Um, I like that, that bit and I like parts of it for sure, but I feel like when, and I know Curry, I know you disagree with me here, but that's cool. But I, I feel like once. Once Palpatine is like full on Sith Lord and, and we all know it and it's out in the open, I feel like whenever he's fighting Windu and when he's fighting Yoda, I feel like he's a cartoon character. I feel I, I feel like he is just the he the way that he like laughs and stuff. I know what they were going for and 98 percent of what Ian McDiarmid does in this movie works for me. But some of that stuff, like you were saying, Curry, where he flips in his chair, like that part is just like it feels so not tonally consistent with the part of the movie we're in. Oh, I love that one, personally. I oh really? I thought you said you didn't like it. No, I'm talking about when he's fighting Windu and he like jumps on the thing and does a front flip and like okay. flipping around the room. Gotcha. The CGI just didn't work for me there. But. Gotcha. I no. I when whenever he like gets like the he makes this sound like uh, whatever he's doing it, and I'm just like, <laughs> this is just so silly. He's not intimidating right now. He's just kind of a cartoon, and so some of that stuff doesn't work for me. And the lightsaber duel is fine, but I can totally tell that Ian McDiarmid struggled with it and all that. I can see it. Um, Yoda looks yeah. fantastic. Um, Oh, they yeah. have this close up on his hand as he's gripping the the thing that like the seat that people would sit in in the Senate right before he falls down. And it's mm -hmm. just like right there, right in front of our face, his hand. And it looks so good. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot to love there. But uh, I think that 
and I think we need to transition here naturally. We're getting to an hour and 30 minutes, hour and 36 really? minutes. You're not going to let me respond to that? <laughs> no, 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 no. You can respond to it, but I do want to transition. We're still in the lightsaber battles or duels. There's there's a couple parts, as much as the, the battle of the heroes, and I'll just gush about it for the rest of the time. There's a couple parts of that, of that uh, there's a couple sections of that where I'm just like, I feel like, this is getting a little bit ridiculous where they're jumping around on all of the, like on the lava, like they're where they're just like, they're not burning up. They're like right on top of the lava and they're just like balancing on these little droids as they fight and where they're on their, there's this balance beam over the lava and all that stuff. I, I feel like some of that stuff gets a little bit ridiculous at times. And I'm like, good Lord. They're just like, <laughs> uh, they're doing a great job with acting on a green screen and all of that stuff. It's not anything that Hayden and um, it's not anything that Hayden and Ewan aren't doing well. It's just, I feel like some of that choreography and some of the things that they do in that fight are a little bit insane. And I don't feel like they would do that. It doesn't feel, it feels kind of funny to me, but that's just my thoughts there. I love the fight though. And I can't wait to gush about it. <laughs> You can respond, Curry. <laughs> it's amazing. Every word what you just said is wrong. <laughs> Both of you, actually. <laughs> I honestly could not disagree stronger with literally almost everything both of you said. <laughs> the prequel fights, they developed six to seven styles of choreography for the film because fighting with laser swords doesn't exist. And the it was kind of an afterthought, somewhat in the originals, and I don't I don't personally think it's goofy at all. Yoda, everybody had the question of, well, if Jedi use lightsabers. How did Yoda fight? So I don't I don't find it silly at all. He him flipping around was like a genius idea. So I I love that moment, but I don't he, dislike I don't dislike him flipping around. I think the fight is not as good as people people I remember that fight as the one where we finally see Yoda go crazy. And I love it. I love that part of it. But the fight mm -hmm. as a whole is just not that great when you take a bigger picture look for me personally, outside of Yoda flipping around everywhere. Uh, and it's really short too, by the way. <laughs> it's, it it's way shorter than I remembered. So, but, so is Yoda. He's way short too. I'm just kidding. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, but the... <laughs> Uh, um, by the way, Jack says it's Star Wars. The whole thing is insane. And that and was gonna be that was gonna be my point. You are not wrong, Jack. I totally agree with you. Honestly, this is just a personal taste thing. That that criticism you made, like I don't think you would say the same thing about Empire Strikes Back, the final fight in that. It's, it's no, I wouldn't, because it feels way more but grounded, it's, and it's decisions are made crazy. that they would actually do that. It's crazy, insane, still though, especially for at the time. Like I, I, at some point it's a movie and these are like the super like powers like overpowered like jedi it's the chosen one and his master so the only the only part i might give you some is when the they're on that big tower thing and they're climbing and like obi-wan's trying to like kind of back away because he's on the defensive and they they do like the swinging clash or whatever yeah. like that i can like yeah. it doesn't bother me but i'm like okay i can see where that moment may be too much as far as like they're standing in the lava not affected by it, that's because you see the ray shields I, like guarding them from the heat. So Yeah, and that's fair. Things. That's a fair point. That's totally fair. I think for me, what I mean by I, I don't I when I when I said I don't feel like they would do that, I don't mean realistically in Star Wars. I don't think I hate when people talk like that. That's not what I'm saying. 
I mean, in this moment, I I feel like there's two things I think. I don't feel like these characters would be looking for the most insane places to fight. I feel like they would both want to be smart about where they're going. And some of the things they do are just out, out like really ridiculous. And for me, I think the biggest thing for me is the best parts of this fight are where they are just wailing at each other like like where they're just where one of them is just walking toward the other and they're just like you feel every emotion that you're supposed to feel i feel anakin's anger i feel obi-wan's heartbreak that he's having to do this i yeah. feel and in those moments the fight is the strongest for me and when they're swinging like tarzan or where they're balancing on a droid like a small droid like 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 really balancing that stuff takes away from that for me it doesn't feel like the emotional fight we were just having up there so for me i just don't like it because it takes away from that emotion for me personally gotcha. i think i said it better that time than i did the first time <laughs> <clears throat> i love the choreography i think it's a it's a lot more fun than any of the other star wars movies and really highlights the skill and everything i can i can understand to an extent why it might be a little bit too much for some people as far as like how ridiculous the the Mustafar duel gets. I think there's something uh, visual, a visual storytelling piece there, and that Anakin is so blinded by rage he doesn't care what happens. It's his fault that mm -hmm. the, the whole thing starts collapsing because they hit the controls. He has he's pushing Obi Wan to the literal edge the entire time. Obi Wan's just trying to survive and get away. True. A lot of it's incidental. A lot of it's like they're reacting to the environment. There is a thematic undertone of Anakin is literally pushing himself and Obi-Wan to the depths of hell, like Mustafar being like hell to the depths of it to where he's literally caught up in the flames. And um, I don't think you could have Anakin like burning up the way he does without like them traversing the environment. And I don't know. I just I, I kind of feel like to be consistent with Star Wars fights, you'd have to carry that line of thought through a lot of the duels. Yep. And maybe, maybe it's just a taste thing. Yeah, I think it is a taste thing, but for me, a lot of oh, the yeah. duels, the best duels are great because of the character moments between the two of them. You yeah, know, like, and I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong because that is definitely yeah. the case here. But yeah, and it is absolutely the case. That's why this duel largely works for me. There's just a couple parts where yeah. I kind of roll my eyes a little bit. But yeah, Drew, any thoughts on 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 uh, on this part? Any criticisms, or do you just love it like, like uh, like Curry does? No, yeah, I I definitely agree with you. Like. It, it definitely it is a taste thing and like because i think that the choreography is for the most part really good in uh revenge of the sith uh i just think for me it's too over the top and i totally am cool with it and like i get why people love it it's just for my personal taste i prefer the more grounded lightsaber duels like especially this is going to go off on a tangent a little bit, but like in The Do Force it. Awakens, I love how visceral the lightsabers feel. Yep. And like it, it just, it feels so powerful. Like when Kylo's slicing and just like hitting the trees. And oh man, I just, I don't know. It's, it's so good. I and feel like, the rage. <laughs> I, yeah. You feel the rage. It feels visceral. It feels like they're wielding an actual weapon and not that it, not that they're not in Revenge of the Sith, but sometimes it almost feels a little bit airy and like they're just like floating around and stuff. Um, but 
I'm I'm not I'm not dissing <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. I still love it. No, and I, th- I think you're right, man. I, th- I think there's something to be said, especially in Force Awakens, when they bring back the mix of like visual CGI, visual effects with like actual sets. Oh, um, yeah. So there is like a there's a certain grit to it um, yep. that sometimes the prequels can lack. So I I, I can understand Dude, that. That yeah. set that that scene where they're in the woods in the snow at the end of the Force Awakens is is a massive set. And it's absolutely insane. Like, have you yeah. seen have you seen that like documentary on the on the Force Awakens? Yes. When I saw that that was a full set, I was just absolutely blown away, and it looks it's so insane. so good. <sighs> I, I think so for good. me to kind of what encapsulates like everything overall is is the story being told, and yeah. because there's so much emotion driving everything going on between Anakin and Obi Wan, I can. I don't care personally. Like they could have been like jumping over lava pits. I, actually, I don't know. That may have been too much. But like <laughs> for me, it just works because they sell everything so well, yeah. and it never to me it never loses itself in it. Whereas like the Force Awakens, and I may make Drew upset here. I struggle enjoying that fight because of the unbelievability of it. I I, I just really really struggle with how it's executed, and the entire third act of that movie frustrates me. But <laughs> So, so I have trouble enjoying it. So when, when I'm not as vested in the story, I have trouble with it. But when I am more vested in the story, certain things don't bother me that may bother someone else. So it, it, like you guys said, it is, it is a taste thing. Yeah. I could debate the Force Awakens fight all day because I know your oh, yeah, argument. Me and, too. And, I, <laughs> oh, and I, I think your argument is so wrong, it's ridiculous. So we'll <laughs> yes, do that same. another day. I think you guys are blinded <laughs> by nostalgia with that no, one. No, so. no. It's it's literally on screen. It's, something, it's things that you see on screen. Uh, we'll talk about it sometime. I just don't think it's enough. Yeah, if if y'all are ever talking about the Force Awakens again, get me on that episode. We, dude, we will. I promise you, we will do that. <laughs> I know, and, and I know the argument, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I just don't think it's as effective as people say it is. I it's it it honestly, dude. I think part of it too is that you just don't love that full movie because some of the things that you say about Revenge of the Sith, you explain things that are so not really there. They're there for you to pick up without being clear it's there for you to interpret and it's there for you to i you you believe that george lucas is saying this with this moment and i think that there are so many moments in the force awakens and in the last jedi in particular that ryan johnson and jj are doing for us visually and literally on the screen that i it some of that stuff i'm here i am i'm debating um (laughs) but like there are just so many things where you you i just hear you saying these things about revenge of the sith where you are totally willing to accept not him like the breadcrumbs not just being laid out in front of us for for us to follow and like completely but then in this movie where it's completely laid out totally believably it's it's not enough for you and so like it is not believable at all that ray it becomes that powerful by the end of the movie it's just not it's honestly a borderline on on like no, insanity. don't say it. it's insanity. Oh. Like it, it, it makes it makes absolutely no sense, and there's no story reason given for it. My blood. The only boiling. story reason given is that Kylo is weaker because of what happened to him and him being torn apart from killing his dad. And that is enough reason right there. No, it's not. That is yeah. that is no, enough not. reason right there. You you see early. <laughs> oh my gosh, here we go with the debate. It's you not. see early in the movie. You see early in the movie when Han uses the the the. Uh, what's it called bowcaster or whatever it's called where where he, han uses it and you see chewy use it too and he's like wow i gotta get me one of these you see how yeah. strong it is and you see chewy shoot 
him with it. And then you just for just for good measure, you see Kylo hit us, hit his leg to remind us, oh, yeah, he's hurt. That's why that's why she is beating him. She does not have to be all powerful but, Jedi but Finn, at the end but of this Finn, movie. Finn loses. And Finn was a trained military like stormtrooper. Finn, Finn, at this point in the at this point, we didn't know that Finn was force sensitive. Ray gets that... powerful because the plot demands it. That's no. why it happens. Oh god! No. It is Lord. so Ray, lazily constructed. Ray surviving on her own since she was five years old on a desert planet that <laughs> was to do this right filled now. with all kinds of. So, no, who knows what. with that logic, you could argue that Luke should have beaten, could have beaten Vader in the same hey, context at the end of the How did Anakin blow up the Trade Federation ship when he was a kid and had no. And you had no issue force. with that. Luke blew up the I Death did not Star say I had no issue with that. Yeah, you did. <laughs> no, I, I said it's completely ridiculous, but it doesn't bother me as much as it does other people. Right. It doesn't bother you. But I said it was ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, like, man. You guys are saying it's believable <laughs> that Ray has like nothing, no knowledge whatsoever, and can suddenly do mind tricks and beat a trained from like five years old guy despite being wounded. Yes, I will give you that. But to beat him in a lightsaber duel, it's just it's ridiculous. She's so overpowered in Force Wiggins. It's crazy. We're gonna leave it right there. We cannot do this for the rest of the podcast. It's crazy. <laughs> I I this this debate is one of like the ones that just gets me fired up the most, and I can't I can't do it right now. Oh, and Drew, we have argued about this a ton in our group chat. Oh, so yeah. like, there's there's a lot of like former arguments coming up. So yeah, I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Oh man. Okay, so back to this awesome ending of Revenge of the Sith. Um, I pretty much all I like. I just want to say. Those little nitpicks aside in Revenge of the Sith, the uh, the duel between Obi-Wan and Anakin, those little nitpicks aside, I I I can I know I'm I said that they make me roll my eyes a little bit, but like Curry, you're right. The emotion in this scene is so palpable that as soon as that part is passed, I'm like right back in it and it's it's all good. Yeah. Uh but I love the you like I said earlier, you just feel you just feel the just the raw un uh, just the raw unfiltered emotion and um and you feel Anakin's anger and you feel Obi-Wan's disappointment and sorrow that he has to do this and um just whenever he's talking to Padme before and he's like I'm so sorry just like from this point on in the movie Ewan McGregor is just absolutely phenomenal and it's just, it, it's all of that, the emotional weight of this. Honestly, when I think of Revenge of the Sith, the emotional weight of this fight and what happens here, this confrontation is what sells this movie. Or honestly, it's not what sells this movie, but it is what I think of when I think of this movie. I think of heartbreak. <laughs> I mm -hmm. think so tragic. Uh, Drew, what do you think whenever you, with this part of the movie from pretty much once... Anakin is Vader. Once we get Order sixty six on, just general like big thoughts and even details. Like, what do you think of this part of the movie? Yeah, like this is definitely like my favorite part of the film. I think, uh, just because it it's it's it just perfectly wraps up everything that we've been building towards in all three prequels, and it transitions so perfectly into episode four and just 
like like as as an adult like it's so much like i'm so much more emotionally invested whenever anakin and obi-wan are like fighting each other because like uh, especially after you watch clone wars like you see you see how much like they're how they're like brothers and like Mm -hmm. having to like watch them like hate each other i mean not that obi-wan really hates them but you know the other way around but it's just super depressing um and especially like in in the final duel the the score like this is another one of the tracks uh is it uh battle of the heroes or something like that yeah when when they're fighting yeah i think it's battle of the heroes yeah that oh something like that so good and uh like it it just really plays into the themes of the storytelling right there and uh it just adds so much more emotion yeah man i love it um and like even even everything after the fight like seeing uh anakin uh get repaired with the darth vader suit um and then uh like seeing uh padme's death and just uh, i love the way that it wraps up it kind of reminds me of um of return of the king lord of the rings return of the king where it feels like it has like 30 different endings almost (laughs) um but but i honestly love it uh and especially um something that i didn't mention before there's a lot of like vistas like background shots uh behind the cgi where like just the sky and just all of the like nature and stuff in the background like it looks so good like especially uh there's the shot of um alderaan and like you just see the lake in the background and just uh it's so good and like yeah dude that that's something that i forgot to to mention earlier but i i think that revenge of the sith is also the strongest in terms of visuals with like just like the cinematography i'm like dang like these shots look so good even if like some of this is cgi it's oh so good but yeah i think that just revenge of the sith wraps up perfectly uh i couldn't ask for a better ending honestly yeah i totally agree man i i think the one part that I always wonder how I feel about, because I can argue I understand what they're going for here, um, but I also am all. I'm, I'm but I'm also like it kind of bothers me because it reminds me of something else. <laughs> the Vader's no really is really hokey to me, and I know like he would yell in despair in that moment, and so like him mm-hmm. doing that is not a problem. I just think the way it was executed is super corny. Yeah. It, it, it it's not as it's not as bad as the special edition added one in Reven- or Return of the Jedi. That's like the worst addition in the special oh, yeah. editions to me, yeah. for for me by far. Um, but uh, but it is something that I was just like, I wish they would have just done that a little differently because it is. I love it visually in that moment, and I love the idea of him just yelling in agony. But the way it happens just takes me out just a little bit. Other than that, even like Princess, um, I'm sorry, Princess Leia. Uh, Princess Leia is born. She's not dying. Padme, 
um, even Padme dying of a broken heart. That doesn't bother me. Like that's not yeah. that, that kind of thing doesn't bother me. I see what they're doing there. Uh, yeah. It's just that that one thing takes me out of the movie. <laughs> and uh, but other than that, the ending is so beautiful. I love the moment between Yoda and Obi-Wan mm, where he says yes. uh, uh, a f- an old friend wants to meet with you from the great beyond or whatever, uh, whatever he says. OK, speaking uh, of that, whoo. if we do not get a Qui-Gon force ghost in the Obi-Wan show, <sighs> yeah, I'm going to be. It's just one of those things. I never want to say if this person doesn't show up in this show, then I'm going to be mad because ultimately that can be dangerous for us as fans to do. (laughs) But it just makes so much sense. Like it just makes so much sense for his emotional arc to have a Qui-Gon like force ghost moment. And I just think it there like imagine seeing him just so like depressed in his cave all by himself. And and Qui Gon comes and visits. I just I, I just yes. I just got chills thinking Liam, about Liam it. Liam Neeson exactly. was the first uh, cameo in Revenge of the Sith for that, but that was when his wife died. Um, oh no! And he, and he couldn't. Oh. I've also heard that rumors or speculation that Qui Gon may just be like a voice, and I re- I really hope he shows up in the flesh, like mm. well as a Force ghost. But yeah, right, I mean, right. I would I would take just the voice. I'll take something. Like, I, I definitely yeah. want him to like fully show up, but yeah, like, and especially because like it would, it would make watching the Revenge of the Sith even better because it's like, oh, like you, you have yeah. this visualized now, like, oh man. Yeah, I completely agree, man. It's just one of those things. I'm trying not to have expectations. I expect yeah. for this show to be good. That's my my expectation oh, yeah. is I want a quality Star Wars show. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I really don't go crazy with theories. I speculate and have fun, but at the end of the day, those do not become expectations for me. It's hard for this to not be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. lie. Yeah. It is really this is definitely by far the hardest I've ever the hardest time I've ever had not expecting for a cameo or an appearance from someone in a movie or in a show. Um, I'm ha- it, it feels so right <laughs> that and there's no way there's no way they the creators of this show didn't think of it at some point. It's just does it fit into the story that they want to tell? We I don't actually know that. I have this idea of what I think this story is gonna be, but I don't yeah. know if it fits into what they're trying to tell. And so I want to have I if it if he doesn't show up, I'm not gonna be mad. But I will think, man, they could have done that really well right there. Yeah. yeah, but I think just because of the setting, it's it's kind of hard to. It would be very hard to convince me to say, "Oh, it couldn't have happened." Like they couldn't yeah. have found a way. Um, I guess to kind of wrap up my thoughts, um, it kind of feels like we're kind of reaching that point. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys know I love this movie. Uh, something that we no. strangely didn't talk about. Um, it ties in, so much. <laughs> it ties into the emotion. Uh, just. From that point where Anakin like is really tearing with himself on like if he wants to turn, you know, Order sixty six. That's probably the most mind Star Wars moment for content we've had. And every time they reference it, it still hits hard. Like no it matter, so bad. it hurts so bad. And in a week, I'm ready to be hurt again. <laughs> I'm ready for it. I am. But Order sixty six is so devastating. And for a major blockbuster trilogy ender to end on such a dark note and for like the heroes to lose our lead turns evil and like it's just unheard of of course ending it on twin on the twin sons and like setting up a new hope is perfect and like poetic 
And uh, you gotta have hope in Star Wars, man. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Even in Rogue One, like the movie where everyone dies at the end. Right. Leia literally says hope. <laughs> like, yeah. like they end the movie. Like it's it's like it's this thing that in Star Wars is predictable, but mm -hmm. I love. I think mm -hmm. it just has to be present. Yeah, absolutely. Somewhere. And I even read that Spielberg shed a tear when he saw that because he felt like his best friend's story had finally come full circle. Oh, it's just, Steven. It's, it's just really cool. And but Order 66 is just like, it is a one of the biggest emotional gut punches, along with Anakin's betrayal, that I've ever experienced in film, ever. Um, you know, Michael, just to respond to a couple of things you said, I'm really relieved to hear that Padme... Padme's death doesn't bother you. I, I I think I can understand why some may struggle with it, but I think that's a concept I've encountered in many other stories um, where people die of broken heart. And that honestly is a real thing. There's a lot more to it. Yeah. I think if you're going to talk about it in reality, but I definitely believe that it's possible. Um, I think if anyone's ever suffered a heartbreak so bad to where you hit like rock bottom depression, there's something to be said for that. If you can't, and the stress of premature childbirth and, you know, being mm -hmm. choked by yeah. Vader. Um, yeah. she, he's the, the droid says she's lost the will to live. And yeah. like, it's easy for us to say as bystanders, Oh, well, you know what? You have kids, so get over it. <laughs> like <laughs> these kids need their mom. It's easy for us as bystanders, yeah. uh, bystanders to say that, but <laughs> that is something losing the will to live is so is one of those things like it, that I can't, I have struggled in my life with just getting really real and I, it's never been a serious debilitating version, mm -hmm. but I've struggled with depression in my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you are depressed, just that is so hard to motivate you to do anything. If you have, you have been choked to the point where you couldn't breathe from your, the love of your life when you were about to, and, and then you have twins where we only thought there was one, there's two. Right. And, all of this stuff she has just gone on this this huge emotional roller coaster when she finds out really quickly at the end of the movie that the one she loves is has killed younglings and is is joining the Sith Lord and all of this stuff losing the will to live makes sense there and losing the will to live in that way I don't know like it obviously it's a little bit it sounds a little bit silly, I guess, on the surface, but when you take into account all the things that happened, it doesn't bother me. It used to, I'll be honest with you, I used to make fun of it, but I don't now. I think, I really do think that it's kind of powerful, actually, and it's really, really sad. And David brought up yeah. this point, Palatine, that's funny. In um, your anger, you <laughs> killed her. I always used to take that as Palpatine, like manipulating Anakin, like making him believe he did, but in a way, he's not wrong. Because, no, he's not. Because but he's also manipulating. <laughs> he is. It's through his actions yeah. that it happens. And then uh, David also said, Vader force curses everything inside and kills Palpatine. Credit roll. It's funny you say that because in the Dark Lord of the Sith comic line that picks up like literally seconds after Vader screams no. That's the Ooh, that can be cool to read. Uh, yeah, you need to read it. It's good. Um, Vader actually force shoves Palpatine into a wall and is trying to force choke him. And Palpatine shoots him with lightning and tortures him back into submission. Like, mm. he does attack him. Wow. Um, and I think the Vader know. This is another one I understand. And I didn't know people hated until I was older. <laughs> um, I think it comes from the fact that Vader, a lot in the original trilogy, is very stoic, very emotionless. He's more of a monster. Return of the Jedi, you would argue, he's, he, you know, you see that come out. 
Uh, yeah. We got Anakin again. To see to hear him be so expressive, I think people struggle with that. And maybe it didn't come across for everyone as the filmmakers intended. But for me to hear that anguish in what is cemented in his like walking hell forever in that voice, for me it just lands perfectly. But I also understand why some may could inter- interpret it as goofy because you go from Hayden to James Earl Jones. But for me, it just works, and I I can defend it from a like from a tone perspective, like with what they were trying. Um, yeah. So, unfortunately, I think part of it too, like things have spoofed that moment a lot, and I think yeah. it's hard to not think of like Toy Story two spoofs it with Zerg, yeah, <laughs> and like, and like which is brilliant by the way well, with Story. Buzz, Buzz well, and Zerg, and, <laughs> and Zerg falls down, and Buzz is like father <laughs> so, <laughs> Toy Story so 2 was way before this but yeah i mean they, they were spoofing it, empire strikes back it wasn't yeah it was it was before that wait you're right yeah what did it spoof maybe it, it, was, it was empire strikes back because he said i am your father and buzz goes no no yeah. okay you're right you're right yeah. you're absolutely right thank you for for correcting me on that yeah, timeline um I, I made one note that i forgot to say i always forget the chewbacca is in this movie <laughs> i always forget i know that. Just, I know that's just a random tidbit, but I I, I want to go to Kashyyyk. Uh, it's such a great <laughs> it's plan. So, it's so cool. I did, I sometimes yeah. forget about it. I know it's there, but one of the Wookies does a Tarzaniel, and the subtitles say Tarzaniel. I know. I saw that <laughs> <Are> today. <you? laughs> like, he, he have, somebody needs to do an edit where they're swinging on Mustafar, and you see the Wookie just go. Ah, ah, <laughs> I saw that. That's awesome. I, I saw that today, watching the end of the movie, and, and it was. Uh, it does say in the uh, or in the uh, closed caption. It says Tarzan yell. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. Um, it's so funny. But you know, I need to send you guys this video. Um, but Battle of Heroes is to have the, your two leads the end of trilogy with them basically trying to kill each other, and Obi Wan's impassioned speech to Anakin as he leaves him for dead, which obviously comes back to bite him, but. The force works how the force works, and because of that, you know the prophecy is still fulfilled. There's just such right. a symmetry between the two trilogies. There's a poetic sense of uh, finality when you watch Revenge of the Sith because you know, like, despite all of this, despite all that happens, that just that little smidge of hope at the end. Yep. And what happens from it? How Vader's Vader's redemption is strengthened for me in Return of the Jedi because of Revenge of the Sith. It feels much more tangible because we know what happened and i love the choreography i love the emotion i love the the writing of the ending and drew i think you you hit it so well and just how it how it wraps up everything and sets the stage for the original trilogy mm-hmm. and i think and you know i don't want to and i know i was kind of joking with you guys earlier when we were talking about force awakens and i don't want to <laughs> turn into a sequel trilogy bash i was just kind of you weren't joking well. Um, well, when I saw when I saw you guys get a little triggered, I was like, oh, "I'm gonna have some fun." But <laughs> um, this is where the fun begins. Yeah, basically. So forgive me for that. But you know, I think these those two trilogies connect so well, and that's sometimes I struggle with the sequel trilogy connecting as well because it doesn't always feel as cohesive as like uh, as like locking in as well as these two do. Um, and I think that's due to world building, me growing up with them at the time. There's a lot of factors that come into play. But Revenge of the Sith, I I truly feel is the most underrated Star Wars movie. Um, I think, well, it's gotten a lot of love in recent years, so maybe not as. Yeah, I would all. say I wouldn't say ten underrated years ago, anymore. Ten years ago, I would have said it definitely. Is. Totally, totally. Well, think, all those prequel babies are growing up. 
yeah yeah and i just really appreciate that kind of renaissance it's having uh and yeah it is it's my favorite star wars movie and it's to have a movie that so aptly says this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause and like you can you can take that line and run with it in so many real life scenarios uh and palpatine just like not only does he take over everything but he does it with the support of the people and yeah frames yep. the the bad guys into being bad despite they had you talked about good intentions earlier well they they prove that the road to hell is paved with good intentions mm. anakin literally ends up burning in hell in this movie and he not only does he make the jedi look bad but he he actually forced them in a position where they were treasonous against their government mm. and it's just there's so much rich things to pull from that and from uh, from things that are left to be vague, from things that maybe were unintentionally or intentionally vague, there's a lot there that just largely lands for me in this particular vision um, that maybe doesn't always work for me all the time. Like you mentioned with the sequels, maybe there's some stuff that I don't pick up on because I'm blinded by other things. But for me, it works here. Um, yeah, I love this movie. Yeah, man. I love it. Dude, I... I really have enjoyed, by the way, I've really enjoyed this walkthrough of all three of these movies. Yeah. This has been so much fun yeah. getting to revisit these. And it just, I got to give you credit. This was your idea, Curry, to do this prequel watch leading up to the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. And I just think it's perfect. I think it's, I think mm -hmm. it's so perfect to do. And what I'm going to do this week now is I'm going to just watch some Clone Wars episodes that happened around like near the end of this, like near the end of the show. And then I'll probably, um, I just started. I got I'm seven chapters into reading or listening to Master and Apprentice. I'm just trying to get into Kenobi headspace in these like little things, in these little ways. And um I'll probably watch um I'll probably watch Twin Sons, the episode of Rebels, um, mm. with Obi Wan later. Uh just to just to cover all my bases and get into Obi Wan gear. But ramping up to Obi Wan with these movies has really been a great experience for me. And, um, again, I think, honestly, I, th I wondered, would my rankings change on this rewatch? I don't think they have. I think they're pretty solid where they're at. I th still think this is a top five Star Wars movie. Um, I still think Phantom Menace is my, like, I, <laughs> I always tell people, I always say on here, s number six through nine kind of just go on a daily basis. It's just like, no, today I love The Force Awakens more. And no, today I love The Phantom Menace. Like, it's just like, like daily. Mm -hmm. yeah. But... Attack of the Clones and uh, the Rise of Skywalker are down at the bottom. Nothing has changed, but I have found so I, it's always just so rewarding to rewatch these movies and look for great things in them because they're all over the place. Yeah. And especially, man, especially with this one, this this movie is special. This movie is, um, I love that it is now like we were talking about. It's now so many people's favorite Star Wars movie, and mm -hmm. it's the one that like changed their fandom lives. You know. Mm -hmm. um, and it is it it's one of those things that um, it, I will always love this movie. I won't always love it as much as you do, but um, I'm just so glad. I'm so happy that I have gotten to the point over the years where I actually appreciate the prequels now. If my life is just better, <laughs> my life is is it, it is better for like I at that time. And again, if y'all like anybody who genuinely hates the prequels as movies and it's not because you're too cool for them or whatever. It's just your opinion. Totally cool for me. 
I totally was just along for the ride with the haters. It was just the cool thing to hate, kind of like Zack Snyder was for a while, kind of like James Cameron has always been for some stupid reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just one of those things where I was like, I need to watch these again. After watching The Clone Wars, I just really have a lot of appreciation for that world now. I feel like I might, and I did. I like it all better now. And so um, it's just been it's been a wild ride over the past few years for me as a fandom. And and, and talking to people like you and talking to people like Lamont and talking to people through the podcast space has really just helped me as a fan just kind of be able to talk about these movies in a better way. And in at least when I have criticism, they're not stupid. Like, like <laughs> they're not, they're just not ignorant. You know, they're, yeah. I th- at least for me, I think my criticisms are valid. Maybe you don't, but um, but uh, yeah, man, I love this movie. I do want to give one shout out in this movie that I don't feel like anyone ever gives, and I gave one last week, and I'm going to do it again this week for the same character. Bail Organa is the goat. I oh, love yeah. Bail Organa oh, so yeah. much. I wish he had more time in it. To be honest with you, yeah. I, I do so too, much. man. I I love his presence at the end of the movie. Throughout the whole trilogy, he's just this stable like the stable presence that you know these guys are all politicians but i feel like i can trust that one Mm -hmm. just like padme and like even at the end of attack of the clones where he's where they're all like all of the bureaucrats are looking over the clone army and it's just this like really evil looking moment but bail organa standing there and he looks so distraught in that moment and and then here i and i i brought this up last week too i just did a binge of the west wing for the first time i had never seen it and Mm. And Jimmy Smith is a prominent character in the last couple of seasons, and he's a politician. Also, he's a presidential candidate, and I, I I love him as an actor so much. And seeing you know just doing the West Wing binge, and then just watching these prequels with him in it. Every time he shows up, I'm just like Matt Santos. I mean, Bail Organa. <laughs> like it's it's just this really funny thing. But I love. And seeing him take Leia home to his wife and that, like, Drew, I think you mentioned that beautiful shot yes. of what I have to assume uh, Alderaan is just the most beautiful place in the entire galaxy. Um, I love it. Well, I love I love him. For but a short yeah. while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not a whole lot longer there. <laughs> he, was, he, was great in, uh, he was great in Sons of Anarchy, too. He's just he's a good actor. I love his character would... Rogue One, too. Yeah, uh, honestly, this is something, like, and I know they don't need to make spinoffs of every character, but, like, give me a Bail Organa, like, political drama Star Wars spinoff. I hope he's he's in Andor and plays a big role in that. Yes, yes. Dude, Mm, fingers crossed. If he shows up in Andor, I will be so happy. Oh, my gosh, I'd be so happy. It's, like, a huge part of it, and I'm hoping they're saving him as, like, a big surprise because he's the perfect age for it. Like, what? yeah. What he was doing during the time of the Empire, like, is such – it just interests me so much. It's so fascinating. Yeah, and I, I'd love to see, like, it. if – Drew, I'm going to run with you on this. If they did a, like, thing about, like, what he's doing to, like, support the Rebellion, like a limited series, and have it yeah. end during A New Hope with his destruction, like him yes. on Alderaan. Oh, my god! Make it such a oh. gut punch, like – hurt me i'm ready for it yes <laughs> it already hurts That's... me like a lot with seeing a new hope and thinking oh bale's on that planet <laughs> like, it <laughs> yeah. already hurts me now <laughs> that could that could add some emotional levity to a new hope too like it could yes. make it hurt even more because i <sighs> this is a whole thing but like that moment's a little emotionally void just because we didn't 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but but what you're saying you're saying that and I totally I understand what you're what you mean in the context of that movie at that time. But now, now it's different. Yeah. Even knowing Bail Organa how we know him now, knowing he's on that planet right yeah. then, and his grown up daughter is right here on this ship. I I I can't it does actually add a ton of weight to that scene. So mm. having more added to it by actually experiencing that yes. Like I just think there's a there's no. a from a visual perspective solely, I just think there's so much to mind from that. And I, there was uh, two things I want to say before we wrap up, and um, this is kind of going to be my last thing. Um, you know, I think there's there was a time liking the prequels was a very uncool thing. Loving the prequels was like, yo, you better not. And I think in a lot of lists, there's not saying you guys do this. There is pressure from the fandom that if you don't have the original trilogy in your one, two, three, or at least in your one, two, or whatever, or if empires are not at the top, then your list isn't really valid. And I, I felt that pressure for a time. And, you know, mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith gradually moved up and moved up. And then I had to ask myself, like, you know, which one do I enjoy more? Which one do I find myself thinking about more? And uh, had such a lasting effect on Star Wars lore and it, for me and these things in modern times. And, like, it's hard to argue with the original trilogy. I can make cases for any of them. But being able to finally come to a peaceful resolution, knowing revenge of the Sith is my favorite, despite it being a close call some days, which I know you guys can sympathize with, like going, oh going between revenge and return and empire, like is a constant battle. Um, but it's, it's just nice to be at a place in a certain part of the fandom with you guys. And that's why I'm so thankful for you guys where that's encouraged and like, Oh, well, that's your opinion. Tell me about it. Not, Oh, that's your opinion. Don't talk to me. <laughs> you know? so it's, it's just, I'm glad that there's a portion of the fandom that's come that far. And secondly, and I, I cannot stress this enough. Um, I just want to plug the book again. If you love revenge of the Sith, I, the, the novel is so worth it. It is the first Star Wars book I read portions of that may be a lie. It's the first one that I read a lot of. Um, and it, it makes the movie even better in places you didn't know it needed. Like that it could be better. Yeah, and I just I just really really love the writing, so check it out. Drew, what are you just wrapping it up? Your last thoughts on Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> it's definitely a top five Star Wars for me, and I've just grown to appreciate it more and more over time. Um, mm-hmm. And I've I've always loved it. Uh, like even back when I did have a period of time where I was like kind of hating on the prequels uh i still loved it i still was like nah revenge of the sith is good um yeah definitely top five for me i'm actually i was just changing my ranking on letterboxd right now while we were talking about it but uh you should definitely disclose it to us on the podcast because i'm curious (laughs) uh i gotta rework some stuff but at the moment the top five is a new hope the force awakens the last jedi empire strike back in episode three but i think wow. empire strike back might be above the last jedi but i don't know it's i'm wrestling with the same question michael, can, yeah. you, michael can you name your current top five real quick it's just yeah I'm interested. My, yeah my favorite is empire strikes back second favorite is the last jedi third favorite is return of the jedi fourth favorite is a new hope and number five is revenge of the sith my current top five is uh, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, Rogue One. Nice. Yeah, and for me, like the two hardest is between Empire and Return. That's where I feel that like struggle so much. 
Yep. And once I come to a good place on that, then it's going to be Revenge of the Sith versus that one. <laughs> I know it's going to happen because it's hard to argue with the original trilogy. Because if somebody asks you, well, if you could pick one trilogy, what would you pick? Oh, original, no question. Yeah. As a whole, I still think the original trilogy is the best. So Yeah. It, uh, it, I totally. feel like it's the most consistent out of the three. Yeah. Oh, 100%. But yeah, Drew. Any other any other uh, thoughts on on the actual movie of Revenge of the Sith? I don't have anything off the top of my head. All all I'm gonna say is again, give me that Bail Organa series. I need it, <laughs> dude. I, I'm with you, man. I could really enjoy that a lot, and I I, I would love to see him in Andor. And by the way, I'm getting more oh, yeah. excited about that every day. Yes, <sighs> yep. cannot wait. And I think it's gonna be 12 episodes, if I'm not mistaken. That's, that's what, what I heard, heard. too. And a second and so, season too. So. Yeah, it's already it, they've already confirmed a second season. Dude, they can so, do so like, much with that time period from the. Oh gosh, oh, yeah. how much they can do. I know, and and what I love is that yeah, like my when I come to Star Wars, I I my lean my my I lean toward the Force stuff, the Jedi, like right. all that stuff. That's what I come for. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know that that's why I come to Star Wars in like you know eight out of ten times. But I love the boots on the ground, you know, rebellion versus the empire stuff too, and doing it like this in more of a, um, in more of like an espionage thriller type of a thing. Oh. I mean, come on, dude! Like that sounds so freaking good, and I yeah. like the character of Cassian. I'm, oh yeah. I want to, I want more of his story. Mm-hmm. And um, and Mon Mothma too. I'm mm-hmm. very. I've always loved that character, and she hardly ever has a big role to play. I think her biggest role is in Rebels. I think, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And so, and um, and she's great. I love her character, and like seeing the 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 tough decisions that she has to make because she believes that the Empire is evil, but also like, but also like. Is she willing to get her hands dirty to do what might be necessary? And like that's that's the question that's going to be at the heart of the show, I think. And like Saw Gerrera and all that. I I think this show could be really really cool and really fun and powerful. But I'm I'm very excited. Um, guys, we have to wrap up. We have been going for like almost two and a half hours. So, yeah. um, yeah. This look. This has been a great episode. I've had a lot of fun with you guys and, and talking about this awesome movie and honestly i have notes that i didn't get to <laughs> like yeah. we could have talked about this movie for another couple of hours yeah um, oh, and we could have done a three-part series on this uh, a three-part podcast series on this movie alone but um but you know we got to stop sometimes so guys thank you in the chat i know we didn't get to you guys quite as much as i normally like to today only because there was so much that we had to talk about but um jack and uh let's see we got jack in there we've had david in there for a while drew was in there at one point and i missed him i think he might be gone now um and uh my wife was in the chat for a minute and uh but yeah thank you all of you who joined us for this whole for this or at least a lot of this uh this episode it's been a really great time uh I want to say again, please be sure. I know Jack says I've been here the whole time. I know you have, dude. You're the man. Um, please be sure if you have not subscribed to the podcast, please do that and leave us a rating and a review. That would really, really help us out. Um, and like I said earlier, follow us on all of our social media, and that'll be down in the description below. I'm not going to go through all that. Um, Curry, I know you have things other than this podcast in the works. What are you? What are you working on? 
Yeah, so <clears throat> Lamont and I, Lamont English and I have a YouTube channel called Nerd City Central. <clears throat> we haven't done anything in a while, but I'm thinking that might change here shortly. Um, I also, Drew has that uh, viralhair.com. I've actually uh, published a few reviews with them, movie reviews with them as well, and have some more in the works, including uh, a full set of prequel trilogy reviews uh, coming out hopefully within the next week. Um, and I'm also in the works of, you can see the video set up, of getting my personal YouTube movie reviews starting going again. You can follow me at Curnator1 on YouTube, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to get back in the grind of doing it. Awesome. And it's been great having you back on the podcast more frequently too. I know it's, it's been crazy over there for a while. So it's been awesome getting you back over here. Yeah, it's been um, cool. I'm glad to come and set you guys straight. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Drew, where can we find you and what are you working on right now? Yeah. So I'm writing a few reviews currently for the viral hair, um, which is the link that I have on my name right now. Viral and hair. that is H A R E. Yes. For the audio listeners. Yes. Viralhair.com. And then also I'm a part, I'm one of the admins of the Outer Rim of Star Wars group. Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all should definitely check that out. So it's, it's popping, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely better than a certain point of view group. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? I know, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely check us out. Uh, we have a YouTube channel and we're going to do reviews of all the upcoming Obi-Wan episodes. Um, yeah keep an eye out for that yeah dude i'm so excited for this show i cannot wait and, <laughs> so uh, and, like especially like i was talking to one of the fellow admins of the outer rim and uh we were just like kind of talking about uh that fatigue that we've had like it's like oh the book of boba fett came out it's been a few months now and like we already want more star wars and we're so close to the obi-wan uh yeah I don't know about fatigue. I, I don't know if I have Star Wars fatigue ever, really. <laughs> no, the, yeah, I mean, uh, sorry, not, like, well, not having fatigue, but, like, uh, like, I guess, like, in the way where it's like, oh, we just want more Star Wars. It's like... We're spoiled at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we used to have to wait for three years for a movie, and now it's, now it's like, uh, well, okay, where are our movies, first of all? Then second point yeah. is... And then second point, it is like, oh my gosh, we haven't had a show in three months. I yeah. need, I'm, I'm about to starve. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's and, a great point. It doesn't, they don't put out quite as much as like the MCU does, which I think some right. people feel fatigue on. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's. I'm actually to... glad that they don't, and I hope they never do. Yeah, I, I agree. actually, I think I Star Wars is not the MCU, and I think it needs to be take a breath between things. I don't, I don't want yeah. it to be the MCU. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we've had the, the perfect amount of length between shows, honestly. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. Don't 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 give us too much. Um, we'll see. I we'll we'll see how we feel after the end of this year because we're getting quite a bit this year. You know, last yeah. year was the Marvel year. This year is the Star Wars year, really. But um, but yeah. So um, anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, you are really a trooper, <laughs> and um, we will be doing review episodes on obi-wan kenobi starting next week this is the last episode of the podcast before obi-wan comes out unless we do something special for celebration which who knows um but uh it, it it's very exciting i'm very excited we have some great guests lined up actually for that and so i'm very excited to get into those reviews and actually start talking about this show that we've been eagerly anticipating so 
With all that down, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, may the force be with you always.